hello, and welcome to episode 23 of the Golden Balls podcast. It has been a while, but it is going to be worth the wait. We have a Christmas bonanza, spectacular, whatever word you want to use for it. We have it. We are going to talk a little bit about the Champions League. We are going to talk a little bit about the world of soccer. We're going to talk a little bit about the Eurobomb. And we have not one, not two, but three interview guests, including some first-timers that we have not heard before on the show. Very exciting. Hopefully, uh, this show will be on the longer side, but it'll give you something to do during this holiday time. I know uh, it's been a challenging year for everybody, as uh, of course, people might not be traveling the same or spending as much time with their families, but hopefully, if nothing else, this provides you some entertainment, some happiness, some joy, in what otherwise could be a uh, a rough holiday, a rough New Year. So let's not waste any time. After the break, will be me talking for a little bit about the world of soccer. And then after that, as I said, we have three different interview guests all on the show. I think you're really going to enjoy what you hear. And we'll be right back after this. Run so loud and proud you hear it. It's Christmas time and we got the spirit. Jack was chilling. The hawk is out. Currently in Asia, they are in the middle of the second round of World Cup qualifying. There are four match days left to go in the second round. Uh, Obviously, six were played before the pandemic. And these also double as qualifying for the 2023 Asian Cup. The Asian Cup obviously is not affected by any of this. They are going to have more than enough time to get all those qualifiers finished before uh, the 2023 Asian Cup. Honestly, the last round of Asian Cup qualifying isn't even set yet. But as of right now, we have uh, in March and June of next year, we have the last four match days of uh, the second round of World Cup qualifying. Qatar played one match uh, in December because they are going to Copa America next year. But other than that, all the other teams will be facing off for that. As of this moment, none of the big teams are in incredible danger of being eliminated in this round. Um, nobody has clinched third round yet, but again, your China's, your Australia's, your Iran's, Saudi Arabia, um, Japan, South Korea, all those teams right now are all either in position to advance or in good shape to, to make a move to advance. None of those teams are in deep trouble right now. After that round three, will start in September of 2021. Uh, There will be uh, thick and fast at that point. Again, there's still supposed to be 10 matches played in that round. They're still scheduled to have 10 matches. That will be in September, October, November of 2021, January, and March of 2022. Top two in those two groups will go to the World Cup. The third place teams will face off to go to the Inter-Confederation playoff. That is usually a two-leg tie, but this uh, for this cycle, it will be a one-leg tie. Currently scheduled, I believe, for May of 2022. And then whoever, or possibly June, it it depends. 
But really, that's going to happen right before those interconfederation playoffs. So they're going to get that match in and then try and get straight in to the World Cup. Um, as of right now, there has been no draw for the interconfederation playoff. We do not know which continents will play each other. So that is the deal in Asia as of this second. And again, hopefully, I'll say this now to cover all the continents, but hopefully this does not change again, right? We really hope that any uh, delays or any more postponements will be very small in nature. Hopefully the world starts getting this vaccine and we don't have to do this again, but that is currently as it stands in Asia. Moving on to Africa, we have World Cup qualifying and we have Africa Cup of Nations qualifying to talk about. Africa has the shortest World Cup qualifying uh, process. Teams that qualify will have only played eight games. So even though they've had their stuff pushed back a little bit, they still have more than enough time. Um, the first round was already played. That eliminates a lot of the weaker teams. The, uh, the second round was scheduled. Uh, some of it was scheduled for this year. Then it was uh, the rest of it was next year. Now it'll all be in 2021. Those matches will take place in May, August, and October of 2021. Two matches in each of those windows. Uh, those are 10 groups of four teams playing a do uh, the double round robin. The 10 group winners advance to go to home head-to-head, uh, -head, home and away matches in the third round. So again, only one team in each group gets, uh, gets to move on. Those uh, qualifiers will be November of 2021. So after November of 2021, your five African teams for the World Cup will be known. Again, these rounds have not started, so we cannot say if any of the big boys are currently in any trouble. Uh, we've gone over the draw before, but just a uh, the quick uh, the quick group of death is probably Group G with Ghana, South Africa, Zimbabwe, and Ethiopia, where again, only one of those teams will move on. Africa Cup of Nations. This is 2021 Africa Cup of Nations, which of course is now 2022 Africa Cup of Nations, certainly by date, if not by name. That tournament will be played in January of 2022. Qualifying has begun for that. It actually began before the pandemic with two of the six match days in the group stage played. Two more were played this past November. Two more will be played in March. So again, we will know the 24 teams uh, going to the Africa Cup of Nations 10 months before the tournament starts. Cameroon, of course, still hosting. They have already qualified through. And because four of the six matches have already played, we can already tell you that Mali has qualified out of Group A. Cameroon out of Group F. Um, even though, of course, they're already in, they would have qualified either way based on their group performance. Algeria out of Group H, Senegal out of Group I, and Tunisia out of Group J have all qualified. Again, among the uh, powerhouses of Africa, uh, nobody right now is in serious danger. Even the teams I didn't mention, your Ghanas, your Nigerias, uh, your Egypts are all in Morocco, are all in qualifying position. And really, for most of them, um, qualification is at this point kind of a formality. They just need to, uh, you know, kind of get over the line. So that is pretty much all of Africa. Again, they're in really good shape because they have a, a short qualification process. And so they will have no problem 
moving on and getting all their qualification done in more than enough time for the World Cup and for the Africa Cup of Nations. It is time to get a little bit CONCACAF and CONCACAF is the continent throughout this entire process that has been hit the hardest uh, in terms of having to move things around. They've had to change their qualification procedures around on more than one occasion. They also trying to fit in their confederation tournament, the Gold Cup scheduled for 2021, as well as finish the Nations League that was supposed to have finished this past June, which of course did not. So let's go kind of block by block here. World Cup qualifying has changed more than once. And throughout the process, certain teams have been uh, benefited or kind of screwed over as they've had to keep uh, changing it up. But as of right now, and hopefully this will stay put, here is what we have. We have three rounds. The first round contains six groups of five teams. So 30 teams in the Confederation are in six groups of five. They are going to play not a double round robin, a single round robin. So four matches for each team and only the top team in each group qualifies. So every team has two home matches, two away matches. And again, uh, they are heavily slanted to benefit the top teams as of right now. Uh, those, those top teams, uh, those seeded teams are essentially getting home games uh, scheduled as of right now for the stronger teams in their group and away games for the weaker teams in their group. So the six teams that are favored to qualify would be El Salvador, Canada, Curacao, Panama, Haiti, and Trinidad and Tobago. Um, again, there's a lot of other teams in the Confederation that are rising up a little bit that are going to be looking to spring some upsets. Uh, you'd be looking at maybe in Antigua and Barbuda, a Guatemala, um, uh, maybe even, that's probably it, maybe in Nicaragua over Haiti if Haiti doesn't play particularly well. But again, your big teams are favored to advance through. Once they do, those six teams will be faced in head-to-head -head winners, home and away. Those will be in June of uh, 2021. The winners of those ties, those three teams, will move on to the third and final round. Usually the last round of World Cup qualifying is the hexagonal. This time we have the octagonal. So the three teams will join five other teams for an eight-team group. So that will be Honduras, the U.S., Costa Rica, Mexico, and Jamaica. And again, those are going to have, that's going to be 14 rounds of games in a very compressed period of time. Those are going to be three matches in September 2021, three in October, two in November, three in January of 2022, three in March of 2022. Top three go to the World Cup. The fourth one goes to the Inter-Confederation Playoff in June, as we already discussed, against another team. So in CONCACAF, you're going to have, you need to have big teams, you're going to have depth, you're going to need to have fitness. It is going to be a grueling grind. You know, a lot of those matches, fortunately, I guess, weather-wise, will be played in the fall, so there won't be too many Caribbean, uh, with, you know, summer uh, or Central American summer trips in there. But for the U.S., Mexico, Costa Rican company, uh, maybe, you know, and let's see who else comes out of that, you know, Canada looking, uh, trying to make that step up among everyone else. But again, it's a big, big, heavy kind of um, situation, a lot of matches to go there. Meanwhile, CONCACAF is still trying to get a Gold Cup played in the summer of 2021 in the middle of all these qualifiers. As of right now, the Gold Cup is still scheduled to be in uh, July, July 10th of 2021. Uh, it's a 16-team tournament. Right now, we know 13 teams. 
your Big 12, uh, Honduras, Granada, Jamaica, the U.S., Mexico, El Salvador, Costa Rica, Curacao, Martinique, Suriname, and Panama. And because I guess everyone wants to do, uh, everyone wants Cutter around after playing in Copa America, they're going to play in the Gold Cup. They were invited in September. Uh, a lot of Concacaf fans really not a fan of this whole procedure, uh, but you know Cutter, I guess, trying to get competitive matches in before they host the World Cup. The last three sides will be um, as a result of qualifying. Twelve teams will be trying to qualify for those three spots. Um, Haiti, Guatemala, Trinidad and Tobago, Cuba, Guadalupe, and Bermuda are the top six of those teams to try and get in. Those would be your favorites uh, to try and qualify as the last three teams. Of course, Haiti, a semifinalist in the last Gold Cup, still having to qualify for this one, which is a little unfair to them. Uh, last but not least, the Nations League. The final will be in June of 2021. Again, right before the Gold Cup and right in and around some World Cup qualifying. Again, depth will be tested. you got to imagine the Gold Cup will be uh, a lot of uh, rosters of not the best, uh, you know, not A-teams for everyone, which should possibly make the tournament a lot more fun. Uh, again, but a test of depth for the countries and a really a, a test of depth of knowledge for the Golden Balls participants. That is CONCACAF. Moving on further south in the Western Hemisphere to South America, CONMEBOL. So uh, World Cup qualifying, again, they have the grueling 18-game uh, double-round robin process that had been delayed several times, but did finally start in October of 2022. I'm sorry, October of 2020. Four of the uh, 18 matches have been played. Brazil, the only team that is 4-0 right now. Uh, again, it's early and it's very congested, but right now, Chile, Colombia, Peru, three sides that are not currently in qualifying position. Uruguay in the Inter-Confederation playoff position, but again, that is all very subject to change. But those 12 matches will be played, two in March of 2021, two in June of 2021, two in September, two in October, two in November, two in January of 2022, two in March of 2022. Now, this is interesting because right now, as of uh, this second, Match day eight of World Cup qualifying is scheduled for June 8th, 2021. Scheduled for June 11th, 2021 is Copa America, a three-day turnaround. What does that mean fantasy-wise? I don't know. Um, obviously, the countries have to use their big boys for World Cup qualifying. So the question is, are they going to bring... Uh, the same pretty much squad to work up qualifying and then the tournament and then maybe just play the depth guys a little bit more than you might see ordinarily? Or are they going to bring younger teams to Copa America? I don't know. Uh, it's going to be super interesting um, how they decide to handle this. Uh, unlike the Euros and unlike the Africa Cup of Nations, I believe they're actually going to call this Copa America 2021, not 2020. So, uh, you know, that part won't be confusing. Again, that tournament is scheduled for June 11th of 2021. 12 teams, your 10 host uh, South American countries as usual. Australia and Qatar were the invited teams. As of this recording, they are still the invited teams. There has been no sign that either one of those teams has pulled out of the tournament. Again, Qatar, as of right now, still looking to do double duty next year with Copa America and the Gold Cup. 
So the easy and breezy for the uh, South America, again, qualifying underway and Copa America still scheduled for next summer. The shortest section to do and the uh, most vague is Oceania, OFC. First of all, they canceled their Nations Cup, their 2020 Nations Cup. They are not replaying it. Uh, they're just going to wait until 2024. Um, their qualifying process, we don't even know. Um, they are, you know, they have a schedule, uh, an idea of a schedule, but they don't actually have a schedule. They're going to have all 11 teams play in the first round uh, in two groups. One group is going to be six teams. One group is going to be five teams. That is uh, tentatively begun, uh, scheduled to start in June of 2021. I don't know when after that. Uh, there will be five match days. Again, it is a single um, round robin. It is not a double round robin as of right now. So there will be five matches. Top two in each group move on to the semis. There'll be two legs semis, a two leg final. The winner of all that moves on to the inter-confederation playoff. But again, considering they only have five match days and a couple rounds after, they can start in uh, you know June of next year. They can probably even start in September of next year and not really have a problem. So um, again, it's still not really scheduled. Um, the only thing that they really are putting right now is that the first game is scheduled to be in June of 2021. Uh, that is all we know right now. And again, there will be no Nations Cup for the OFC until 2024, uh, which obviously has a very limited fantasy impact either way. So that, again, very, uh, very brief is Oceania. Last but certainly not least, we have UEFA, which has three different competitions going on at any given point. Of course, your World Cup qualifying, your Euros, and your Nations League. Um I'm going to do actually Euros first here, just because the other two kind of factor in with each other. As we know, Euro 2020 is now Euro 2021. Still calling it Euro 2020, but it will be played on June 11th or from June 11th, to July 11th of next year. This fall, we finally got the last few teams um, qualified with our uh, the playoff path. North Macedonia, Hungary, Slovakia, and Scotland. All our playoff winners that all advanced in November and have been placed into the groups. Um, as of right now, this tournament is still scheduled to be held all across Europe. It'll probably stay that way for a while. I was pretty dubious about that, but they were able to get pretty much all sorts of matches played all uh, throughout the fall with very minimal interruption. So hopefully with another six months, that won't be a factor. Uh, I mean, worst case scenario, I could see a situation where each of the groups moves to a location. They lop off half of the uh, hosts. But as of right now, again, still supposed to be played all across Europe. Um, quickly, just as a refresher to go over the groups, Group A, Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. Again, top two advance the knockout. Third place teams are, you know, four of the six will move on as well. Then we have Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia in Group B. Group C, the Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Group D, England, Croatia, Scotland, and the Czech Republic. Group E, Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. Group F, Hungary, Portugal, France, and Germany, which is just, of course, the most must-see uh, of the groups. And uh, poor Hungary, which has really just got put right in um, a hornet's nest. But... Don't forget that Budapest is one of the host cities, which means Hungary get home matches against both Portugal and France. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we can see a little bit of a surprise there. Let's not talk about World Cup qualification for 2022. Uh, again, this is a, um, 
a little uh, uh, change. Originally, this was going to start in June of 2021. Um, actually, it was actually supposed to start even before that, but there were supposed to be matches in June of 2021. They moved for, uh, obviously, the Euros, and then the qualifying had to be changed. So now they just scrapped the entire thing. So now we are going to have the 10 group stage matches, the first round, will be played in March, September, October, and November of 2021. Three in March, three in September, two in October, two in November. So again, very heavy. Those three match day windows matches every three days, pretty much. Again, depth will be tested. After that, the, se the second round, the playoffs will be in March of 2022. The groups were just actually drawn a couple weeks ago on December 7th for the first round. Um, Nations League teams... Uh, that are in the finals of the next Nations League were drawn into five group, uh, team groups, and then um, the other two, many of the other groups have uh, six groups as well. Don't forget about all the different clashes and winter venues, et cetera, et cetera. The draw is interesting. There is some not, nothing too too crazy, but uh, Group A has Portugal, Serbia, Ireland, Luxembourg, and Azerbaijan. Now, interestingly about Group A, we're going to have Qatar involved again. We've had Qatar in Asia. We've had Qatar in North America. We've had Qatar in South America. And now, why the hell not? Let's have Qatar in Europe. What do I mean? Well, Qatar has been paired with Group A to play friendly matches during these windows, during these match days, with the teams in Group A. So in a five-team group, whichever team is not playing a qualifier will be playing a friendly against Qatar. Uh, those matches will all be played in Europe. So uh, I guess that's another way Qatar is preparing to host the World Cup. Group B, we got Spain, Sweden, Greece, Georgia, and Kosovo. Group C, Italy, Switzerland, Northern Ireland, Bulgaria, and Lithuania. Group D, France, Ukraine, Finland, Bosnia, and Kazakhstan. Group E, Belgium, Wales, the Czechs, Belarus, and Estonia. Group F, Denmark, Austria, Scotland, Israel, Faroe Islands, Moldova, Group G, the Netherlands, Turkey, Norway, Montenegro, Latvia, and Gibraltar. Group H, Croatia, Slovakia, Russia, Slovenia, Cyprus, and Malta. Very Eastern European flair with that one. Group I, England, Poland, Hungary, Albania, Andorra, and San Marino. Yes, England got to play Andorra and San Marino in World Cup qualifiers. It is just fucking bullshit. And finally, Group J, Germany, Romania, Iceland, North Macedonia, Armenia, and Liechtenstein. Now, the group winners all go to the World Cup, same as always. All the second round teams all go to the playoff round, that second round. However, the 10 group runner-ups will also be joined by two other teams. This is the two best Nations League group winners that did not qualify already for the first or second round. So, 16, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 14 teams won their Nations League groups in 2020, 2021. They are in order. France, Belgium, Italy, Spain, Wales, Austria, the Czechs, Hungary, Slovenia, Montenegro, Albania, Armenia, Gibraltar, and the Faroe Islands. Whichever one of the top two of those teams in that order that do not finish in the top two in their group will still go to the playoffs. So either way... Um, Let's say hypothetically France, obviously, if they do not finish in the top two in their group, they will still go to the playoff. There will be a draw, uh, went to three playoff pass. And again, 
uh, what will happen with those 12 teams is there will be um, five matchups, you know, obviously five head-to-heads. I'm sorry, six head-to-heads. The six winners will move on. And then they will play off for the final three European spots. So of the 12 teams in the playoffs, only three will make it to the World Cup as opposed to the normal. I think in the past it was like eight and four going on. As for the Nations League, which happened this fall, as I just mentioned, the group winners, the finals of the Nations League are currently scheduled for October of next year a full year after the match days ended. Again, this is to make sure that all the World Cup qualifying and everything gets in. The semis, the third place playoff in the final, again in October of 2021. This will actually be during World Cup qualifying, but those teams will not be playing during match day, uh, these match days, so that they can play the Nations League. And again, the uh, the uh, semifinals and finals are between Italy, Spain, Belgium, and France. So four heavyweights all going out. In March of 2022, there will be playoffs for the relegation for the Nations League. I don't know why we're actually having playoffs for this crap, but that is the way it goes. So that is UEFA. And again, that is the entire look of world soccer as of December 2022. I really hope at this point we do not have to go any further than this. Hopefully there will be no more major delays. We can all get all this stuff done and we can enjoy our international soccer, enjoy our golden balls in relative, relative peace. Right after this, we will have the first of our three guests on today's show. first guest on this show is a returning guest. He's been on a few times, and he's here to talk about why he has become the god of the Mendham auction draft. It is Jordan Rebeck. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good, Jared. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, so I have a beef with you, obviously, and that becomes the fact that, you know, once upon a time, we would do the Champions League auction and all this stuff, and I would do really well, and I would win, and everyone's like, holy God, Jared, you're amazing. You're amazing. And now you somehow stole all my mojo. So I have to ask you, how did you do it? Yeah, you know, um, it's uh, it's been fun these last two years, obviously. You know, obviously this Champions League season is not over yet. So, um, you know, we will see what happens. But I just think from my standpoint, it's just more, it's easier, you know, drafting teams and not having to worry about, you know, the different, you know, roster formations or drafting players. There's just a lot less variables and so I think I've kind of found my comfort zone. All right. And I'm not going to ask you to spill all the secrets, but, you know, as we've talked about last year, you uh, you had 325 points. You win by 70 uh, over myself. Uh, a big reason why is, of course, you had Bayern Munich uh, and you had Leipzig, of course, who got to the semi. So even though the two egg, uh, the two egg ties were not there in the entire tournament, you still were able to, to have that big win. And I know that, you know, when we had talked about it previously, you had said, you, you talked about your strategy. So now you, you won the tournament. And now we come back a very short period of time later with this weird COVID schedule. 
And now it is, you know, this year and we have an extra, you know, we have seven people again in the, in the field. And now you're trying to defend your title. So what right. in your mind specifically, or, you know, or generally, however you want to say, what was your strategy coming into this one, you know, being the defending champion and kind of having your strategy? Yeah. So, you know, I, I took the same approach that I took last year. You know, I, I sort of set my, my teams up in, in three or four different tiers and, you know, I just try not to overspend. You know, last year, I didn't think I overspent on Bayern. But, um, but this year, I just wanted the draft to sort of come to, come to me. And uh, I had told Stro, you know, everyone is getting better at these drafts as time moves along. So it's been a really tight race. And I think the standings um, in the break here are actually pretty tight and pretty close. And they are. Uh, you are the leader, 209 points. Uh, you are uh, actually, I mean, uh, you know, leading by about 20, I think it's 25 points over both Gord and Jeff, both Metums, right? So as as per usual, I guess we could say that the um, the bloodlines is, is well and established with you guys all at the top three right now. So more importantly than the fact that you are leading and you've had a good um, good start is that you drafted four teams, Paris Saint-Germain, Porto, RB Leipzig and Sevilla, and you got all four teams through to the group stage, uh, through to the knockout round. You're the only person, obviously, with all your teams. You're the only person with four teams through. I think literally everyone else had like has two, so you literally have double the teams in knockout. How did you do it? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think obviously I would be lying if I didn't say that luck was was involved, and I I, uh, I, I didn't think that I had a good chance after. Uh, Man U, I think it was in the first game, um, upset was, I don't know if it was PSG or if it was maybe Leipzig, but I, I thought it would, there was an upset in the first game. And I was like, oh, you yeah, know. Yeah, they got PSG early. They did get P- Yep. They actually right. beat them both in their first two matches. Right. And and, and so I, I didn't think that I, you know, basically was going to have success in this tournament. I kind of thought I was down for the count right away. And um, Man U did their Man U thing. And they just, yeah. you know, didn't have a good finish there and, and I was lucky getting two teams out of one group so I didn't think that was going to happen but uh again I, I still think it's luck and yeah and, and to your point I mean in, in the first round of games you only got 17 points uh you were near the bottom of the standings at that point but you know more amazingly again than getting four teams out is if you look at the four teams right now Paris uh PSG got 53 points in the knockout Porto got 53 points in the knockout. Leipzig got 51 points in the knockout. Sevilla got 52 points, or I'm sorry, wow. sorry, the group stage. They literally all had the same amount of points, and you've had remarkable consistency here. Um, before the draw for the knockouts, we, you know, we were kind of talking about it, and, you know, we were trying to debate, not you, like actually everyone else was trying to figure out, well, do we actually want, like, Jordan's teams to face each other? Right. Or do we not want them to face each Like, you know, do you want the guarantee of him getting a team through but losing a team? Right. Or do you want, you know them all separate what was your before the draw even what was your opinion of did you want to see your teams face each other to make sure you got a team through or were you more of the mindset that you kind of wanted all four of your teams to be separated so you could have you know possibly uh four teams you know advance to the quarterfinals right so you know i uh i was looking to sort of separate you know my teams in terms of the group and then i sort of figured with regard to the psg leipzig and man u group you know, if I could at least get one to advance, then at least I would have more likely than not, you know, 75% of my teams. I was shooting for three, uh, four teams 
that, that I would wind up drafting. But uh, I, I was really hoping that at least I would have three that would sort of move on to the knockout rounds. And um, luckily, you know, I did get all four. So um, you can't write this stuff. And, you know, I, I'm sort of surprised, I guess, like you were, you know, that Porto was as, um, I guess, successful in the group stage as they wound up being. All right. So now we move to the knockouts, right? So you have four teams left and I want to get your, you know, your unbiased approach. Now here's, here's the bad news for you, right? You have the lead, you got all your teams through, but you have, uh, I would say, I guess four pretty difficult matchups here. So let's go team by team here. You have PSG and they are playing Barcelona. Now, normally that would be dreadful, a really bad situation, but this year Barcelona has been, not themselves. Yeah, pretty, I, I don't know how you would describe it. They're pretty poor for them, yeah. certainly. Um, obviously, you can't feel necessarily confident that PSG is going to win. But how do you feel about PSG's chances against Barcelona? You know, I'd say I am. You know, let's say sixty forty. I think they have a sixty percent chance of advancing, and that's just because they've been there before, right? This is a team that was in the finals, I believe, last year, and so you know, it's pretty much the same players, I believe, um, as last year's squad, and. I think they have a pretty decent chance um, possibly knocking out uh, Barcelona. So we'll see what happens. All right. So next you got uh, Porto and Porto has drawn Juventus. And again, normally like almost every year you'd see Porto Juventus and go, okay, well, you know, I got 50 points out of Porto. That's good. But Juventus under Piro again, hasn't been as great as you know, you would expect normally. Now that said, of course, Ronaldo is still there and, and they have all that in Dybala and all these guys. Um, can Porto pull the upset? I guess you could put another percentage on it, but what do you see out of, out of this matchup here? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great a great uh, matchup between these two. Um, the one thing about Juventus, even though they do have the talent uh, on paper, you know, sometimes you just don't know which team is going to show up for the game. And, and so sometimes, oh, this is an easy win for Juventus, and then they wind up losing, you know, let's say 3-1 or 3-0 to a squad that's on the bottom of the table. So um, they got rocked yesterday. Yeah. So as we record, you, you really don't, you really don't know, but um, you know, we'll just, we'll wait and see uh, what happens, but you never know with these tournaments. So. All right. And the last couple, I mean, I think this is where, you know, it's a little bit, so as you already said, you kind of feel maybe a little bit lucky that you got Leipzig through, but now they have to face Liverpool, who of course has been the, you know, a dominant team in England, uh, champions two years ago and all that. Can Leipzig pull this upset? And I know you're what you're going to say in terms of anything can happen, but realistically, do you think Leipzig can pull this upset? I honestly don't think they can. Um, you know, this is going to be a really difficult matchup. And uh, Liverpool, you know, they've obviously been in um, been in the, the fight in, in these tournaments, but I just – yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool actually, you know, wins the whole thing. And, um, uh, you know, Salah has, I think, returned to form. He's been pretty solid recently. And um, uh, I think that Liverpool has the upper hand. All right. And lastly, you got Sevilla, uh, who's had a very up and down season. You know, I actually have them in the Eurobomb. So I've been following them kind of closely. You know, they'll look really great one week and then really not so good the next week. And they have the very up and down Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, they just fired their coach last week uh, when Holland is playing and fit and doing well. Obviously, Dortmund has looked great, but they've also, like, I guess you could say even like Juventus and, and Barcelona have certainly had their struggles as well. So how do you how do you see that one going? Yeah, I, um, you know, I don't really follow the Bundesliga that much, but um, 
but I think this would be another, you know, great matchup and I'm looking forward to watching it. And, uh, you know, Dortmund just has a lot of skill on their end. I'm not as um, aware of the players that, that Sevilla has, but, uh, but I, I think this is going to be another great match. And, uh, you know, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it. So if you had to predict right now, given those four matchups, how many teams do you think you will get into the quarterfinals? I want to, I want you to take a, take a step on that ledge and make a prediction. Yeah. You know, if I were to predict, you know, being uh, unbiased, I, I think I would, uh, I would be happy with two teams advancing and, um, I'm trying to recall. I think Leipzig last year, you know, they, they were the uh, the tournament surprise. But uh, but I, I think this year, if I can get two, I think I, I, I just want a chance. That's all I want, and, and we'll see. All right, so uh, we talked about your four matchups, and that neglects the other four round of 16 matchups, which, of course, are still almost two months away. So it's, it's, a, it's tough to really 100% predict what's going to happen. But with that said, what team, you know, from your viewing of the Champions League this year, I know you said Liverpool certainly has a case to win it all. Who is your favorite right now? You know, my favorite, uh, I think, still has to be Bayern. And, you know, they, they won it last year. And, you know, I, I always say, like, until they are knocked off, you know, that they always should be considered the, the favorite. And I, I think their scoring, their goals per game has been pretty high. Maybe not as high as last year, but it's still been you know, pretty high. And, um, and so you can always count on them for at least, you know, three or four goals a game, it seems. All right. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with Byron as a choice there. Uh, the chasing pack, you know, as I said, you're 25 points up on both Gordon Jeff. And then beyond that, it's another 25 points down to uh, Stroh, who is currently in fourth place. So you've built up quite the cushion for yourself here. Uh, you're, you know, you got to say that even if you only get those maybe a couple teams in the quarters, you don't have anyone make a deep run. You still have, I would say, for me at least, uh, you're the favorite certainly to carry this one on. And so I guess, uh, as you said, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But you got to feel pretty good right now, don't you? Yeah, I do feel good. You know, I, I'm as surprised as anyone that, uh, you know, I, I the four teams that I drafted, you know, did advance to the knockout rounds. But, you know, I, I think... I've sort of, I think I mentioned it earlier, I, I've sort of found my, my my tournament, you know, with regard to, <laughs> with, with just drafting teams and, and coming in with with a strategy as compared to having to worry about, you know, players, you know, is this team going to advance? You know, what should my formation be in this round? And, and you know, it's just not as complex a, a tournament as the Euro or, or the World Cup. All right, so let's carry that over. So this year we decided, again, I think this was partially COVID-related, and as we just become more and more degenerates in terms of finding things to, to, to do fantasy-wise, we decided to expand the idea of the auction, and we did the Eurobomb. So now, um, looking into this, you know, before it started, if we can go back a few months ago before we did all this thing, what, how was your strategy? How did you feel your strategy was compared to the Champions League? What was the di the big differences for you? Was it more similar than you thought or, or kind of what was your mindset even before going into it? Yeah, so my mindset, you know, was the same as the Champions League, but I, you know, we're still early in this tournament. Um, I was really looking forward to this just because you're, you're, you're taking, I, I think it's three leagues, you know, and just putting them all to, four, oh, four, four. leagues and, and just putting them in, into one big massive tournament. Um, 
I still think there is maybe 20 plus weeks left uh, in, in the season. So still early on, but I still think that Brian and Jeff right now are, uh, you know, are, are going to probably end up one and two in some fashion, just because of the number of teams that they have. I just think the odds are, are more in their favor than, than let's say me who has, you know, a few lesser teams than they do. All right. So let's talk about this a little bit. So how, uh, you know, the Champions League is a little bit different because we have these match days and they're, you know, there might be a week or two apart or whatever, and, and there's a lot of focus. But this is a situation where there's obviously the games every weekend and then it has, sometimes there's the games midweek. And, and granted, while you don't have to change anything, once you draft your team, you just get to watch. Uh, how often do you find yourself kind of checking the standings or or are you definitely keeping up on your teams very closely or is it just one of those things where it's just kind of, it's kind of there and you kind of take a look here and there? Right, right. So I, I usually check, you know, once every week or two, uh, I, I can never recall if these games are, you know, for the actual league or if they're for like a, a mini tournament or, or a trophy, you know, within their uh, existing season. Uh, then obviously Champions League came into play. So, you know, me trying to remember, you know, which team I had where was always a little confusing. But um, I usually check once every know week or two just to see how things are, are shaping up and progressing so uh, i know you said that you still consider brian and jeff to be the favorites currently of course they are first and second you're sitting in a very i mean there's i i, I find it hard to imagine that you won't finish in the top three uh the difference between yourself currently as we record in third place and uh stro who is currently in fourth place is it's about 90 points um Wow, I didn't uh, notice that. That's ago, crazy. <laughs> you know, it, it's a ma- yeah. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, actually, you were winning by about 40 to 50 points. You had a couple really strong weeks. Brian had a couple weeks that weren't so great. Um, and then Brian's had a couple good weeks. And now you had a couple weeks where you struggle. So I know that you said that Brian and, and Jeff are the favorites, but do you see yourself as, as a potential winner of this? Or are you just kind of looking at it being like, look, it's just too many things have to go right. Kind of where's your head at with this whole thing? Yeah, so I think with this tournament specifically, you know, this is more of a marathon than than, than a sprint. Whereas I, I look at the Champions League more of the sprint. So uh, looking at the Eurobomb, you know, they're the t- amount of teams that Brian and Jeff have and, and the amount of weeks left um, just – thinking about it from a mathematical standpoint even though i'm, I'm you know top three uh, i i still think that uh, it would it would take um a, a pretty strong effort from my teams to sort of uh up unseed you know the first or second place team so right now you know i i think that they have probably a 65 percent chance and, and i'll you know give myself you know a 25, 30% chance. So we'll see what happens. All right. So last thing, uh, a couple more things actually, but this year, as you said, you kind of, I think I, I think we, you can speak for everyone. You say we're just kind of, kind of exhausted, happy it's over. Uh, you know, I think we, uh, certainly from a fantasy perspective, I think we tried to make the best of it doing the MOS thing and the Eurobomb and all that. But uh, knock on wood, next year, 2021, we have uh Hopefully, a, a somewhat of a return of normalcy, fantasy-wise, and certainly, hopefully, worldwide, right? right. Uh, that we can actually get back to our normal lives. Um, you know, hopefully, get together for a draft for the Euros and all that. But we are looking at the possible, you know, the Euros. We're looking at a Copa America. We're looking at a Gold Cup, obviously, with our Champions League and Eurobomb going through the spring. 
So what are, I mean, I, I, the obvious answer being, of course, the Euros, but what are you really looking forward to as we kind of try and put this nightmare behind us and move forward to 2021? Right, yeah. Soccer-wise, what are you looking forward right, to? Right, definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to you know, more tournaments next year. Uh, and, you know, I, I think just the tournaments as a whole has sort of provided, you know, our, our group um, and the Golden Balls, you know, members a, a chance to really just enjoy the sport that we love to watch and, you know, sort of separate at least for a short period of time, um, you know, from the political craziness that's really been going on this year. And, um, you know, it's been entertaining. You know, we, the the drafts have been a lot of fun. And and so I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully even seeing people, you know, as as a group, you know, next year uh, face to face and, and having beers and, and, and steaks and whatnot uh, together again. You know, I really miss the, the togetherness that, that our group has. All right. So obviously, uh, you know, not to look ahead too far, but you will be, uh, you got an extra year with your European title, uh, you know, to, to 2021. Obviously, you're going to be looking to do that. We have another Copa America. Uh, last year when we did it, uh, you and I pretty much finished neck and neck for a strong second place showing. Right. Uh, I finished, I edged up, I literally one point for second and third place. Uh, are you looking? Are you are you looking to do Copa America again? Is that definitely on your? Uh, I'm thinking. Almost, I'm thinking that almost like tennis players have to choose what <laughs> tournaments they're going right. to do. Right. Are, are, are we? Do we have your soft commitment to uh, to Copa America 2021? Yes, I, I think you can uh, say that I will, as of now, you know, be participating, and um, you know, the even you know, getting back to to Champions League, I, I'm happy I, I did rejoin after you know being, let's say, on a sabbatical for a little while. And uh, I'm just looking forward to participating in these in these yeah, tournaments. I think, I, I think at this point, I think at this point, everyone's wishing you kind of kept on your sabbatical <laughs> so someone else could win one of these. I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, what about the what about the gold cup? Do you have any thoughts on that, or is that too soon for you to even think? about Yeah, I haven't really thought about it. Um, I, I'm not even sure if, if the teams, or, or I'm sorry, if, if the countries have been selected. Uh, so I'd have to look into that. But uh, but I, I may think about participating. Uh, most of them most of them have been i think the big question is and this is really actually true for everything uh you know uh you obviously haven't heard the podcast yet but if you do by the time you we got to this point in the podcast everyone will have heard i kind of went over all the all the different confederations and so one of the big things is that like us with world cup qualifying being so thrown into thing uh to you know to chaos is that in but for copa america like there's world cup qualifying like four days before the copa america starts for south america And also for the Gold Cup, there is World Cup qualifying in and around the Gold Cup as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, the big countries will be participating in those tournaments. But the real question will be, you know, what do the rosters look like? Uh, You know, and also not, you know, not that this is a fantasy impact directly. But if the Olympics happen this year, that's another avenue where some players may be, you know, doing the Olympic thing as well. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of what the rosters look like. So obviously, the big teams will all be involved. Uh. But you'll have to, you know, I think it'll be very interesting to certainly see, um, you know, who plays in what tournaments, right. who doesn't play. Does a, does a Leo Messi play in Copa America knowing his World Cup qualifying as he tries to get to his last World Cup kind of deal, uh, you know, as just one right. example. But it should be super interesting to kind of see. Yeah. But I think you're right to say it's it's tough to call right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the one thing, you know, big picture, 2021 just seems like it's going to be one big soccer party. And you know, with the tournaments and you mentioned, you know, the Olympics, like, so 
it's uh it sounds like we're gonna have our uh, our hands full it's gonna be a lot of fun and i'm definitely looking forward to it all right so i have a before we get to the last little segment i want to do is there anything else golden balls wise in any way that you would like to talk about ask questions about anything else on your mind in our uh in our last kind of podcast of 2020 uh uh, not off the top of my head, you know, the one thing I, I guess I will mention is, you know, us adding an additional tournament with regard to the Eurobomb, I, I thought it was extremely creative. And I know there had been talk um, for a little while with regard to, you know, adding an additional tournament uh, in the Golden Balls. But I just think that putting these four leagues together, you know, having a crazy amount, basically an entire season, right? You're talking about 35, maybe 36 weeks. Uh, of just you know soccer games and, and following this, I just think it's uh, it's pretty cool that we continue to to be creative and uh, and to add as many tournaments uh, as possible. And you gotta love any situation where you're uh, you're feverishly trying to find out the score of the Spezia Genoa right. match, which is <laughs> happening at record, right? Because like otherwise, who would ever care about that? Right. But no, I think you're uh, I think you're really on point with that. All right, so before I let you go, um, we are gonna, I have a a list of random questions, some soccer related, some not. It's kind of a rapid fire. I'll say rapid fire, but at the same time, it's one of those things where you can take as long or as little time as you want on any of right. the questions. Um, I'm actually asking this of every guest on this oh, show. Nice. So it was just kind of, you know, just as a, you know, I've seen other podcasts do it and I figure what the hell, uh, just a little bit of something different. So as I said, I'm going to ask you some either or questions uh, and some other questions. And you can, again, go as short. If you want a one word answer, that's fine. If you want to expand on your answer, certainly, uh, you know, the floor is yours for as long as you want it. So you're I ready am, for this. sir. Take it away. All right. It's the first first time anyone's ever going to hear these questions, but they will hear them more than once in this podcast. All right. Your first question is: uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe or Star Wars? I'm gonna, I'm going to go Marvel. Okay. And of all the Marvel movies, TV shows, et cetera, et cetera, what is your favorite one? And maybe why? I'd probably just say that uh, Captain America. Um, you know, Civil War slash winter soldier i think it's really a close tie just because of the uh the, the different dynamic and um you know I, I just think that specifically you know the, the story is just far and away the best out of all of them and i, I well, actually you know as, as you know uh i actually just texted you just the other day i was watching civil war again and like oh my god it's it's definitely my favorite marvel movie and the airport fight scene is like my favorite piece of Marvel content like ever. It's just so it, it's amazing. It's fun to watch. And it's also hilarious. Right. At the same right. Time. Especially so, that, especially the Ant-Man yeah. sequence is just amazing. Yeah. And man, the whole thing, I don't know, the whole thing's amazing. And Spider-Man is great in that scene and, and everything else. So definitely uh, you got to co-side from me right. on that one. All right. Uh, video game wise, FIFA, Madden, Call of Duty, other, or you don't even touch a video game anymore because... I, I used to, you know, I, I used to play NHL a lot. Um, I, I play FIFA a little bit, but um, I, I just, I haven't touched a, a video game in a while, but I still think that from a sports standpoint, um, hockey and, and soccer are the top two. I, I've heard some rumblings about Madden just, you know, being the same year after year and people are starting to get tired of it. All right. Um, favorite holiday gift you have ever received? Of course, we are the week of Christmas, so it seems like the appropriate time to uh, to ask this question. Wow. Favorite holiday gift? That, that's a good <laughs> question. Um, rapid fire. You know, the first thing that came to my head was, you know, actually a gift that you got me. And 
uh, I, I still smile every time I see it, and that's the Alex Kovalev New York Rangers signed puck. And I, I just think it's 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 great, and um, it, it's an awesome gift. So I'll go with that one. Sucking up to the host, good call. <laughs> all right, so uh, last non-soccer question. Um, all right, so it's you know it's 2021. We're we're all vaccinated. Life has kind of gotten back to normal. What is the first vacation you would like to take after the pandemic? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? You know, and who do you want to do it with? I suppose. If hey, uh, that's a good question. I'll probably go with a a, a beach or maybe a um, a uh, you know maybe one of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, it doesn't disappoint. You know, being on the sand and in the warm weather sounds pretty awesome. And just you know drinking a ton of beer so i'm gonna go there as far as who i would go with as many people that would want to join me as possible so uh it's it's a very good answer especially when it's 40 degrees right. outside to just say beach sun yeah it's, it's a it's a it's an right. easy answer yeah absolutely sure. all right so now we're going to move to the soccer version of this same idea uh you need to answer every question no matter what some easier some harder but you know just a few of them just to just for fun all right you have to pick one or the other you can't say right. no one Okay, even if you don't like it. Sounds good. One. Manchester United or Liverpool? I'm going to go with Man U. All right. Bayern Munich or Dortmund? I'm going to go with Bayern Munich. Ooh, picking, the, picking the favorite yes. there, huh? AC Milan, Inter Milan. I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. I'm going to go AC Milan. Yeah, I thought that's what I thought you were going to say. Uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona? I'm going to go Real Madrid. And I think I know your answer to this one too, but I have to ask Messi or Ronaldo. I will go with Ronaldo. And, you know, I, I know there are people out there that do not like him, but um, I just think you have to appreciate, um, you know, what he has kind of done uh, from a, a fan standpoint. And uh, you know, Messi too, you know, the two of them have really taken soccer uh, to a whole new level and, and, and brought it, you know, I think to, to the U S and, and broaden the awareness of it. Um, so I'm, those two are, are just going to go down in history as just two of the greatest ever. But you can admit that Ronaldo's like a huge, yeah, huge right? like yeah, can, you know, okay. All right. as long as, as long as we're, 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 uh, right. we're on the same page there. Yeah. All right. Uh, England or Germany from a national team perspective. I'm going to go England. England. Okay. Uh, U.S. versus Mexico. I know what you're going to say, but I just want to hear everyone just say the U.S. So U.S. by far. <laughs> All right. So the last one I have uh, for you is uh, is not an either or, but it is a, again, it's asking you to go out on a little bit of a ledge and make a prediction. Who is going to win Euro 2020 and who are they going to beat in the final? Wow. Um, I'll probably say that France is going to win Euro 2020. and. I predict that they will beat – it's so tough. But I'm going to say that they're going to beat Germany in, in the final. And um, Ooh, that would be – and that would be a, a rematch of the group stage because they are actually in the same group. So that would be actually super interesting. I mean, it can definitely happen right. for sure. Uh, but I, 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 let me ask you about Germany, though, because Germany, of all the big countries right now, has had quite a few problems uh, with their national team. Of course, just last month they got absolutely annihilated by Spain in a match. Uh, and, you know, inquiring minds want to know, why, what do you think Germany is going to do to turn it around? That, that's a really good question. And uh, I, I definitely do not have the answer. But, uh, you know, 
I, I think that they're just going to stick to what's brought them success in the, in the past uh, for the most part. And, um, you know, just have a really, really good squad. And it'll be up to the coach to determine, you know, who the best players are that should see the field first. So you're, this is a reputation pick is what you're really saying. I, I really am going with that, yes. All right. No, and look, it can happen. I'm not – my argument – I was only asking that not because I disagreed per se, just, you know, as I said, it's uh, they're one of those teams right now that is uh, – that is, you know, just kind of been very obviously, you know, cold the last couple of years, so it'll be interesting. Obviously, I know there are certain people listening to this podcast right now that would be quite quite happy if if your prediction came. It's, it's just a shame that Lewandowski is not German. So, um, uh, yeah, of all the Polish people they stole over the years, it's kind of uh, sad for them that they never were able to steal Lewandowski because oh my god, that's even I don't even want to think about <laughs> that. Actually, that hurts my head thinking about what would happen if they somehow were able to right. neutralize him. All right. Well, I always appreciate your time. I know that this is not the first time you've been on this uh, show, but I appreciate every time. Of course not only as uh, a Golden Balls member, but of course as a family member. Uh, anything else you got before we let uh, you go? No, Jared, I think that's it. I just want to wish, you know, a happy new year to you and, and to all the listeners out there. And to you as well. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, after this, we'll be back with another guest on the Golden Balls podcast. now on the podcast a first time guest coming from boston massachusetts we got brian win b win how you doing tonight doing well man long time listener first time <laughs> caller i'm excited yeah this is we've been talking about this for a while we finally made it happen uh obviously right before the holiday part of this christmas extravaganza podcast we're putting together so i'm really glad that you could uh you could hop on thanks uh, for thanks for having me of course all right so let's start a little bit just as your your background as a soccer fan obviously uh, you haven't been with us in the group as long as everyone else. So w- what's your deal in terms of soccer? When did you become a fan? What do you watch? All that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I've always been, you know, played soccer growing up, was always like a cross country runner stuck in a soccer player's body. Um, never very good. So Stroh, Stroh has that one on me, but um, have always been a fan, you know, MLS since the, uh, since the good old days. Um, you know, I can remember like watching, the uh, U.S. Portugal game, uh, you know, back in in the Korea World Cup at like 4 a.m. Um, so I would say primary allegiance has been uh, U.S. soccer from the get-go. Have been sort of a passive fan of of most things, and then um, you know MLS was a, was a fire guy back in the day, although not not too uh, not too deep. And then more recently, have picked up Spurs, uh, and so that's been my been my squad where I would say I follow um, probably probably watch most of their uh, Premier League matches and um, you know follow scores on cup matches but that's that's what I'm into most of the time when you were doing the MLS thing do you have a, uh, well, who is your team for MLS or who is your team for MLS I guess I should say I've been I've been screwed with following like awful cities to watch MLS games in so between the fire and New England. Okay. Those are the two cities I've lived in. Uh, I, I I went to a bunch of Toyota Park fire matches back in the day. 
uh, which were entertaining, but um, can't say I've ever gotten over the hump as a true MLS supporter. Gotcha. Well, that kind of leads us into the first thing we're going to talk about for a little bit, and that is your introduction into uh, the Thunderdome that is all of us doing this stuff now going on, you know, 14, 15 years, and that was the MLS's back uh, tournament. So obviously we threw that together and Jeff had thrown out that you were a person that might be interested in doing it. So from your end, kind of what was it like getting the getting the invite and kind of, uh, you know, kind of getting into this this madness, especially with the probably the most insane thing that we've ever done? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, first of all, it was clear that you guys were desperate if, if Madam was extending invites to me. Uh, so appreciate it and had a blast. So thank you all, all the listeners out there. Um it was it was great. I, I uh, you know, at, at the time and place of like peak COVID pandemic, like looking for some you know, just something fun, something different. I thought MLS was MLS's back was great, both from, uh, you know, Golden Balls version, as well as the actual product on the field. Like it, it was just extremely entertaining on all ends. That was absolutely entertaining, not always for the right reasons, but it's it's funny that you even mentioned the the idea of us being desperate. I wouldn't necessarily call it desperation, but it was funny because when I first saw that they were doing essentially like a World Cup style tournament, I immediately like put on the thread like, ooh, like it's going to look like a World Cup. And then half the people were immediately like, ooh, this is the greatest thing of all time. And the other half of the people were like, there is absolutely no way in hell I am even like touching this. Like, you guys are insane if you're going to do this. So, you know, it was cool that we actually got some new people in there. And and obviously, you, you know, the newbies did just as well as anybody else. So, no, I, you know, I think it was, as you said, it was incredibly entertaining. It was, as you said, a, a very necessary kind of distraction from the life that uh, that we were kind of going on back in, you know, June and July. And so oh, I think you, it was great. You with that. It was great. And just like so, so many great uh, thematics, right? Like the teams quarantining and like, uh, you know, getting tossed out of the tournament and, resh- you know, groups being reshuffled with like hours to go. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love the DC. It was, it was a DC versus like Red Bulls where the game was called off like minutes before, but then turned yeah, out there DC, was like no, Toronto. Yeah, it was, there was, was no whole... case, right? That was, that was epic. Um, and then, you know, while a lot of the gameplay was like truly laughable um, and comedic at the end, there were some actually really good games, uh, which, which I, you know, I got into MLS at a depth that I haven't been since I was, uh, you know, in middle school, probably. Oh, no doubt. All right. So, so take me through it from, again, from your perspective. So Jeff kind of reaches out, you decided something you want to do. And now you have the, with no experience doing this from our end, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever, what fantasy sports you've ever done in the past, but, you know, being kind of new to this, what was your mindset? What was your process? Kind of how did you try and prepare for something that you kind of probably didn't have exactly the same experience as everyone else? Yeah. So, so Jeff in, in sort of proper Jeff fashion, right. He gave you like many of the very important details and like a lot of tips, but definitely left one or two tips out sort of critical foundational rules out that were necessary for success. Yes. Uh, and it's unclear, you know, Jeff, the velvet knife, you never know if that was like intentional or not. Right. And so only, you know, only the gods know, but um, he, I think he was very clear with me of like, uh, you, you need like goalkeepers are important. Uh, you need, you know, the, the, the highest quality player is like a midfielder who could score because, because of the scoring system. Um, and so there were, there was like a lot of wisdom conveyed, right. Uh, which is good. I, I feel like I made, made some, some sort of 
strong foundational picks in that backbone. What he failed to tell me uh, was that it wasn't like fantasy football where I couldn't sub folks out as we went. Right. And I think mere hours after the draft, I tried to make a, you know, like a, a, a waiver for a free agent. And you were like, that's just not how this works, buddy. Like get out of here. Uh, and so I still blame Jeff for that. I left points on the table. Um, that's good. We can blame Jeff for everything. That works for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, you know, it was, it was awesome. I, I, I think, you know, I had some, I, I went much more, to con- contrast the two competitions that we've been a part of, I went a lot more thematic on teams in the MLS's back, right? So I, I think I made I made two big bets, um, one right, one wrong. The 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 bet that I think I got right was on Philly, where I thought right. you know I thought Philly was was a strong team. I picked up Casper Perdoco, I picked up the keeper uh, Blake, Blake, but I guess it was keepers in total. Picked up uh, get uh, I think the right back or left back. So that was a thematic where I got right. The one where I totally whiffed was on Miami. I was I was thinking Miami would be an average uh, squad, and, and they were clearly well below average. Right. No, and that's certainly the case. And you know, looking back at your roster, you you got a little unlucky as well with a couple guys who were who were good players that you know just fought through injury. Carly Skill obviously got hurt and missed most of the season. Not only just the tournament, but then didn't even come back until I think like October. And then Piotti from Toronto didn't play much during the tournament. And then if you look at the rest of his season, he was absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, you know, as I said, you, you finished in third place, one point out of second. So let's realistically say that, you know, you were right there, at, you know, near the top. So I think obviously you, you, you showed up, you did well. Um, and so kudos, definitely, you know, and I think we said that during the podcast, during it, we definitely gave you a lot of, a lot of kudos for being able to overcome Jeff's, uh, just mistake and, and still being able to put together a very competitive team. So uh, kudos on that. Uh, what would you say compared to like a fantasy football, obviously again, not the peak of soccer in the world, but uh, what would you say are maybe like the positives and the negatives of like a, a system like this compared to uh, a fantasy football or something kind of more quote unquote normal? Yeah. Good question. So I, I loved, I love the, um, compressed time frame right it, it like brings you in for and what was MLS's back 30 days uh sort of peak to trough right uh, and yeah. so that was I thought that was great um I love the format where you know each game uh e- each game is is sort of on in its own time slot so you can take them all in um you know I, I thought that was a big pro I love the I think there's a great aspect of how you guys score it is the ability to like points are on the line in the last 10 minutes. And so you can kind of tune in if, if you think of like how many points and how much interest and excitement is stacked in the last 15 minutes of a match, you can kind of turn in, for, tune in for those last 15 minutes. And like, it's, it's much more enjoyable and impactful than the first 15. Whereas in like fantasy football, it's equal throughout. Um, so I thought all that was really compelling you know, you, you do have to go to a depth of just player knowledge, though, right? Uh, that you yeah. don't in in uh, in most fantasy sports. So, like, who's who's your backup right back, and how are you rotating him in? Uh, it, it, you know, you really stretch my knowledge. I probably of the eighteen players I drafted, I probably knew who ten were and had done you know research on some of the remainder. Uh, and at, at a certain point, I was just taking flyers. Um, so that was challenging, but in some ways rewarding and fun just to like learn the league a bit more. Um, 
trying to think of any other drawbacks. I mean, it was the way you guys like score it. Obviously, it's not like live scoring, but it might as well be given how quickly you get, you know, you post it in. So. Yeah, I, I always try. I mean, I, you know, I figure for me personally, it's like if I'm watching the game anyway, like there's no reason kind of not to be kind of, you know, and, and also I guess on my end, it's, you know, if if there's a game on a Thursday night and a Friday morning and people need to make lineup choices, it certainly is helpful if uh, they have, you know, that idea, a better idea of where they stand. So I always try and do that, especially early in the tournament. Later on, I think I kind of slacked a little bit just because I think, A, from a competitive standpoint, it was like, okay, Josh won this thing. Like, if I don't put in the New York City, you know, whatever match right now, it's not going to be the end of the world. But, yeah, we, we try and do it quickly. Um, obviously, as, as, you know, as you can probably guess on those summers where we've had like two or three tournaments running like at the same time, it probably doesn't always work that well. But yeah. I think in this case, you know, being stuck at home and watching the games anyway, it worked out perfectly. But if there was yeah. a way to do that on an app, I would certainly, if anyone has that computer knowledge out there, you know, we should certainly. Madam's got some <laughs> analysts who can, who can definitely figure it out. We might have to figure that out. Because if we could get it like, a, we could do like an app like they have for like ESPN Fantasy Football, man, that would be, oh God, yeah. that would make my life tremendously yeah. easier. <laughs> Although right. it, it, I, I got to be honest, it, it it makes me like deeply respect the fact that you guys were able to do this for Afcon. Just the combination of like getting all the games in there on time when they're at odd hours, like knowing who the players are. I, I could name I could name ten Afcon players like full stop, regardless well, I, I of think, ten on my team. Yeah, I mean, I think if you I think if you were to look at the way the rosters work on that, like you will definitely see there's a lot more misses in terms of like. Because a lot of it comes down to, and, and I think Jeff would argue with me because Jeff spends more time than everyone else combined, like studying and researching. But like, you know, at a certain point, you have to look at a country and be like, okay, I think this country is pretty good. And they have this guy who plays for like, you know, Lazio or they play for, you know, Hertha Berlin or like, you know, decent European size. And you just have to kind of like, like, I guess that guy's going to, but he's almost, yeah, like that guy like should play. Like, I, I, why, why, you know, and then you find out that the, the team plays, you know, some guy who plays in the Tunisian league over like some guy that plays in Syria. It yeah. just doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, as you said, it, it's, it's insane. But I think in many ways, I, that's why I, I don't necessarily subscribe to this theory, but a lot of people think that it's like behind the World Cup and the Euros, it's like the best tournament we do yeah, because it's so crazy. And I'm like, I don't like, again, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but. I understand why people love it so much because it is, you know, it's it's closer that MLS is back than it is that World Cup in terms of just utter, utter insanity, right? Well, on to, to that end, on, on MLS is back. Like, what would you say is is the differentiating factor on like who who wins and who loses? Is it, is it just MLS knowledge, or is is it MLS knowledge of players? Is it MLS knowledge of like? these teams are the teams that are getting advanced farther in the playoffs. Cause um, one, one dynamic that you guys have that I like a lot is it extends through the playoff run. And so it sort of puts a premium, not just on the individual player, but the team. And so I'm curious, like who the winners of MLS is back or MLS, any other tournaments you've done historically, like what, what drives those winners? Do you think? I think it's really a lot of it tends to be like having the big, the big players from teams that are either finalists or winners with like, the extra added little bonus guy who like, you know, maybe doesn't get as far, but puts up four goals in four matches, you know, even if they get eliminated early, um, you know, the best example would be like James Rodriguez in 2014, right? Like Columbia gets eliminated in the quarterfinals, but he scores six goals. So mm. he still gets the 90 points. Other than that, I mean, depending on the tournament, I, I think obviously it's been helpful. I think everyone who's won like the world cup has done so with a, with, you know, with a heavy dose of, 
champion and finalist teams. I think MLS's back was a little different just because I think it was so much more unpredictable. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I think we said this during a couple of the podcasts or anything, you know, that if, I think if we redrafted MLS's back like 10 times and ran the tournament 10 times, like, I think it's possible that every single person would have won it like once or, you know, yeah. come very close to winning it once. And you look at a situation like how like Seattle and LAFC play in the round of 16 when you can easily say they're two of the best five teams in the league. And so, you know, and, and obviously Portland's been a good tournament team and Philly was, you know, an underrated team and all that, but it's like Minnesota getting, uh, you know, Minnesota made a deep run and, they, and a lot of people didn't expect that. Obviously Orlando got to the final, like nobody expected that. So I think this tournament was a little bit more uh, balanced, you know, obviously Josh still, you know, was successful because of a lot of Portland guys and Minnesota guys. Um, and a couple of Philly guys as well. So he had those guys on the big team. So I think that's probably number one, but yeah. Especially well, and if I, if I had to sort of boil down what I like about how you guys uh, do this in, in a sort of one thing, it's like the, the, the game you guys are playing looks a lot like a lot more like tennis than it does track and field. Right. And I, and, and in saying that, I mean, you know, you can win, you can be really good on clay, but not good on grass. You can be really good on hard court, but not good at doubles. And it's like a different game to some degree every time. It, it relies on the same foundational soccer knowledge, but applied in different ways. Whereas, you know, track is just like, boom, it's the same every time. And that that's what wore me out about fantasy football is just like, fuck, it's the same every yeah, time. It's, same. Yeah. it's like, no, you know, it's just brutal. I, that's an interesting thought. I, I, I assume you mean in the sense of like, you know, some uh continents or some areas of the world tend to be more offensive defensive or or kind of like there might be more scoring here or there and stuff like that is that kind of what you're just in terms yeah, of like well, players tend thinking, to be the best or like how do you, you know, I, I, I was thinking just different skill like the you know if, if it's the same eight participants across okay. different uh um, oh, i got you, I got you know you. competitions like in mls is back you might reward really deep mls knowledge in um uh, you know, the World Cup, it might uh, reward sort of like team-based knowledge and, and whatever. And, and I got the, you, I got you. Which one we're doing now, the sort of Euro, I forget what we're calling it, Eurobomb, right? It's sort of like a whole different set. It, I guess we'll talk about it in a second, yeah. but it, it sort of rewards like, do you have a good portfolio of teams you've selected? Yeah, no, and, and actually let's, let's transition to Eurobomb because this is another situation where we've done the a similar version of this with the Champions League now going on like eight or nine years. And and again, I think partially fueled by the pandemic and I think still that itch that we missed all those summer tournaments, we decided to, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we did all this? And of course, I actually expected probably more than eight people to do it just because I invited pretty much everyone who's ever done anything. Um, just because I figured with that many teams we had, you know, we could sustain having that. But here, instead of obviously drafting players, we have the auction for teams and, and everything else. And it's a simpler format, I would imagine, to, to kind of embrace as somebody, who, again, who is, who's not done it before. So I have an idea. I know the answer to this question based on watching you and dra uh, Jeff during the draft itself. But when you, you know, found out this, this format, this whole situation, again, kind of what was your, what was your initial thought process? Where did you want to go with it? Did you know immediately what you wanted to do or did it take a minute? So just kind of walk me through your process there as well. Yeah, I, I, I knew. Um, so I started, uh, of course, by making a model, like, which is exactly what Jeff did, right? And so I sort of made this model and I assumed, I, I assumed, you know, no, what were the inputs to my model? My, my model assumed, hey, if you uh, 
points are evenly distributed over a league, right? So the first place is roughly going to get this points, regardless of if it's England, uh, Germany, et cetera. And last place is roughly going to get this points. And I also assumed a a sort of equal distribution in in goal differential. So first place is going to be plus, you know, 40 and last place is going to be minus 20. And I, I sort of spread that across. And then I, I took all the teams and I just said, you know, roughly where do I think they're going to fall? Right. And so, yes, I think Liverpool is going to win the EPL again, but, but consequently they'll win it at lower points and lower goal differential than they did last year. And, you know, I think Fulham is going to get last place in the EPL. And I I, I sort of just spread my teams um, across that way. And I said, okay, um, you know, here's, here's where they're going to be. Right. And I, I didn't put him exact. I, I moved him around a little bit. So I, I think I said, Hey, I think Everton's going to be better than they were last year. And I think uh, Wolves are going to be worse. Um, and I think Sheffield United is going to be worse. And I think, I'm trying to think who I, I thought would be better. Right. And so I moved him around on the margin, but more or less it was just, here's, here's the stack ranking. And my assumption was that that was going to take all the big teams and kind of disc, I, I assume that would drive me towards bargains and not, right. you know, a few big teams, but I wasn't positive going in. And really early on, it became clear that like, that was the case, right? Like my assumption on what, you know, I thought Barcelona would go for, for 60 and I think Manny paid like 80. That's probably wrong. Barcelona probably went for nothing. It was, a, it was uh, somebody early. I think it was, might've been Bayern was went pretty early for a while. Like, yeah. Know. Right. And so I, in my head, I was like, yeah, Bayern was, a, the, first, Bayern was the first really big one. That was like 73 bucks to Andy. Yeah. And, and so looking at my model, I was like, okay, there's, there's probably like a 20% chance they outperform this, but you know, a 40% chance they hit it and the 40% chance they dramatically underperform it. And that, watching a few of them, it, it sort of consistently came in, like all these big teams are just getting what the mod, what my model is saying I should pay for them. They're not, not going for anywhere close to that. And so I, I think the, the, the model that I laid out sort of had me going into these cheaper teams. You know, if I, if I didn't think about like, Hey, what's my knowledge of the league? My assumption right. was you guys knew way more than me about most most of these. I, I know I felt like somewhat confident in my EPL picks. And I, in the German league, I, I I try to follow. I'm interested in the German league, so I try to follow it on the margin, but I probably don't watch nearly enough games. And then in Italy and Spain, I just said, hey, I'm just going to like totally dispassionate, take whatever the model just says. Strictly, strictly math, essentially. Shoot it. Yeah, straight out of the model, shoot, shoot out what it says. And – I mean, that's, that's sort of what led me. I think I have the most teams or tied for the most teams. And, um, you know, I can't say, I, I don't even, to be honest, I, I can name most, I can name my German teams to my, my EPL teams, but I, I would be 50% on the other two. And frankly, it, it's just random shots in the dark. Some of them are hitting, some of them aren't right. So like Torino has been okay. Bologna has been like awful, right? Union Berlin has been pretty good. Um, all of those were totally lucky. No, no thought given to them. One or two of, of the picks had a little bit of thoughts so like Everton. Um, I, you know, I intentionally leaned into Everton, but that was, you know, one or two out of 13, very few. And actually, you know, it's funny you say, talked about the math thing, because I, I think what I, if I, say, I can speak for myself personally, I think I've probably referenced this before, but 
you know, I was kind of operating on the idea that people would spend money the way they did in the Champions League. And I think I got myself into trouble with that, which is actually I wanted to do uh, a system close, closer to yours, actually, in the Champions League two years ago, which, again, is only 32 teams. I ended up with 15 teams. Holy shit. Which was absolutely hilarious because once How'd I you realized, do? oh, I won by like 100 points. It was a joke. Like, I, it was because everyone else just – I literally just let everyone punch themselves out and then just spent the entire second half of the draft going crazy. I say that only to say that last year, for example, like in the Champions League, you know, Manchester City went for $96 and Bayern went for $82 and Liverpool went for $86 and Barcelona went for $82. So, like, the big teams went for a ton more money. And so early on for me, I was like, okay, well, people are going to spend 80 something dollars on – Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and, and, you know, so on and so forth. And then I ended up spending a lot of money really early on teams that I didn't actually want all that much. So I think obviously, and, and if we look at the standings, I think it's fairly obvious to see that your, your strategy is, is working very well for you as you have a, a, a decent enough lead set or, you know, yeah. a decent lead. So, well, um, and, and to me, the, the fundamental thing behind that is, you know, if you price a team to finish, first or second you price a team to finish second so say say you choose man city you you buy them like they're going to finish second they could finish first and you get a few more points but but they can finish de bruyne yeah de bruyne breaks the leg and they finish six they could do do an arsenal totally yeah whereas you know let me choose somebody like southampton southampton you know you buy them like they're finishing 12 okay they they, yeah they might finish 15th but I think right now they're pacing like fifth and they've been a great pick for me. I can't yeah. say I, I knew anything insightful about Southampton, but I just sort of priced him with some upside to it. Yeah. You're buying, you're kind of buying lottery tickets a little bit with, with some yeah. odds. Yeah. Um, so on a, uh, I know you said that you kind of know some of your teams, don't know some of your other teams. How closely have you been able to, how closely have you actually followed the Euro bomb aspect of it? Are, are you just casually checking the ESPN scoreboard? Are you actually paying attention on a weekly basis? Like kind of what's your, this is obviously different than MLS is back where you need to be very involved. You need to be looking every day, et cetera, et cetera. This is kind of like you do it and then you can kind of zone out a little bit. What's your kind of, what's your been your, uh, your following of this so far over the first, you know, three, four months. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I would say I check the uh, Google doc weekly, right. Just like, how am I doing? And then I follow um, the core teams through you know just general checking the espn the app how are they doing you know loving scores like uh spurs five southampton two even even getting me two points in the in a loss um but yeah i, I would say i follow pretty closely um still looking for hoffenheim to turn the corner I, that that you know that's one where i did lean in and and clearly you know regret expressing any judgment and just leaving it to the model but yeah, I, I follow pretty closely. I, I, I can't say I know, uh, again, my knowledge is like pretty stacked in EPL and uh, Bundesliga. Um, but, you know, the teams that I've gotten those ones, I'm, I'm following and I'm, I'm hopeful that they, uh, you know, continue to perform well. And, you know, it was even looking today, I think uh, Union got, got the boot from uh, the DFK Pokal. And I, I love that. Right. Cause now, and no, they don't have to worry well. about it. Right. Right. Like <laughs> let's focus our resources guys. And let's, you know, let's win this fucking Eurobomb. 
it, it's you know it, it's 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 cool to hear that you know you, people are checking or that you're checking at least you know and i really would actually i know it's not the the most interesting thing but like now since obviously i get to to watch it pretty closely it's super interesting to me because you know three weeks ago i think i think jordan was beating you by like 40 or 50 points and i was sitting there going oh my god like you know what happened like you were winning for a while and jordan just had like a couple like massive massive weeks where you know he just had pretty much you know i i think it was you know match day 11 like he only had one team lose and actually match day 12 he only had one team lose and he was, wow. he was rocking out right so and like the one team he he had lose that one match it was like dortmund and the other one was chelsea so like all his other teams were getting points and he was up by you know 20 30 points on you and then the last couple of match days you've come roaring back and now you're up by you know 16 on jeff and 28 on him so it's it's been actually kind of super interesting even for me who's obviously not at the top part of that but i i kind of feel like we've seen it's a little bit tour de francie where it's like you jeff and jordan are ahead you guys have kind of been trading a little bit and like almost the rest of us in a way like you know stroh's kind of been on his on his own in the middle but like the rest of us have all kind of been in a kind of a you know it's near last place or in last place so it actually does kind of have a kind of a back and forth to it and i think that is obviously as we get closer to the end of the season it should you know hopefully i know that you'd probably prefer to win by a couple hundred or whatever but i think we might end up in a situation where those last couple you know match days might just be kind of crazy and right down the wire so i'm hopeful i mean i i think it's been to your point it's been really back and forth um and i think the the closer you get to the end, the more entertaining we'll be. You know what? What's interesting about that the standings though is that Stro, sort of taking that clean it all up at the end strategy. Um, it, it, it's surprising how middle of the road that that you know that sort of produced, right? I, I would have thought either that's a high, you know, you're, you're sort of trying to shoot the moon, and I so you know you either make it big or you don't. Um, you get you get sort of fucked and blocked out, but he he seems to have defined all probability and just been solidly mediocre. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's a specific reason I can point to for that, but if you look at his list of teams, that's exactly what they are. Like he does not have one single team that is, uh, you know, an elite European team. The closest is probably Atalanta, maybe Villarreal, but he also doesn't have any of those teams that have been like, absolute hot garbage like you know like as you said about Sheffield United like Sheffield United which Manny paid like almost $40 for has 14 <laughs> same as Everton same as Everton by the way but <laughs> right they have like 14 points Schalke has 20 points now, obviously it was like the worst of the worst you know Stroh's worst team is like 63 points which you know if you look at everybody's list of teams that's is about as I, I think that's like the highest low that anybody has. So, you know, he, uh, I guess actually, uh, yeah, he, he has the highest low, if you will. His worst team has more points than Arsenal. So well, I think that, he, unfortunately he's also in bed with Arsenal on a, on a different Well, level, that's, yeah, that's, a separate, that's another story. separate torture for him. So <laughs> I think that when you look at it that way, I think it spells out that perfect thing where Villarreal's been his best team is like 104 points, you know, which is far lower than obviously like the, the elite teams. But he doesn't have anybody that's just bottomed out. So I think it the the middle of the road, as you kind of said, kind of you know numerically so far makes perfect sense because I think if you just read down his list of teams, you say, oh okay, that's you know somewhere between like the sixth and tenth best team in their league. They're yeah. good teams. Yeah. They're, they're not great. When, they're good. It, and I I think it, it seems like not having participated in the one where you you know you got fifteen at thirty two, but it, it it seems like 
the there was enough and i was trying to track this to say like does it make sense to save all my money till the end like are the assets going to get cheaper as this thing goes along and the best that i could tell along the way like it got a hair sort of people sort overspent the expected value by hair right so uh, you know the model that i was tracking maybe halfway through people were spending like 102 cents on the dollar but in the in the dynamic you're describing with the Champions League, people must have been spending like 150 cents on the dollar to then leave you with, you well, know, it's, you're, it's, you're, you're picking up assets cheaply, and that just didn't play out for Stro. He's well, sort I of think like it's it's also trickier shot. because th- this is more like the fantasy football model because the worst team and the best team are both going to play the same number of games, whereas in the right. Champions League there is it's more like the MLS is back where like the pr- the premium is on. Like, it doesn't matter if you spend $6 on a team if they go, you know, five losses in a draw and score three goals and they get eight points in six matches and you're done. So the dynamic of the premium on having those big teams is a lot more pronounced. That said, this year in the Champions League, and, and you know, I think the last couple of years maybe have, have influenced this, where I think the amount of money spent on the big teams has actually gone down a little bit. Whereas I said last year, I think the highest spent on somebody was like 96 this year was like 85. So I think people are starting to revert to the, I think they're just, to be honest, I think people are just getting better at it. So I think yeah, well, in some ways is... it, it sounds like Stroh sort of had the, uh, you know, the man bun of drafting strategies, which was, it was hot two or three years ago. And, and it's just, it's a little dated at this point. And even in Champions League this year, I tried that and I got, I just, I screwed myself up and I like, I ended up with not a lot of teams and I ended up with like $30 left over that I couldn't spend because I tried. Yeah doing that i just i i just i messed it up like it didn't work so you know i think stro had that idea but you know too many people had too much money left i think the i think the real i mean i we'd really have to study it and you probably have a better chance of knowing it quickly than i do my guess would be is that the real market inequalities where you probably got the most value might have been like the third quartile Yes, Before, I, I would guess. I would guess that's true. Like, right, yeah. people have spent some money in the first half, and then people are looking at the end, being like, "Okay, are there going to be deals?" And in the meantime, you know, Josh picks up Milan for like forty bucks, forty-one dollars. Yeah, which, again, well, I mean, compared about to steel, by the way, right, that right, was, uh, compared cool. to again an hour before when Sheffield United goes for thirty-seven dollars, you know, and Valencia goes for thirty-eight dollars in that time frame, and you get a team like Genoa for twenty-six bucks, like. So I think that Leicester went for forty bucks in that you know forty one in that time frame. So I think that that third quartile is probably where um, you know people probably got the most value, yeah. and at the end people start overspending again because they realize that they're only going to get like two more teams. Yeah. Let Let me ask you this: What do you What do you think the best pick was? Not based on you know some modeled analytic strategy, but based on an actual insight about the you know differential view on the team. Like uh, now, like are you talk about like what I think now or what I thought then. What uh, sort of? I mean, I, I guess a little bit of both, right? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. But um, you know, who saw? Uh, do we think somebody actually saw? I forget who you said had AC Milan, but somebody yeah, actually. I saw think that's the AC one. AC Milan outperforming. I, I think I think Milan was the one during the draft that I was kind of like, oh, that's good. Like that's, uh, you know, that's a really good deal. Um. Not that they've played particularly well as of late, though they've bounced around. I think even when Jordan got Spurs for $48, I didn't think that was terrible. I thought that was pretty good value because I think that, 
you know, not being particularly high on United and Arsenal and even Chelsea to an extent before the season. I really thought Spurs could be like a top three team in England. And I thought that that would be worth more than $48. Yeah. Um, obviously, met, him, met him with Spurs? Uh, that was my cut. Jordan did. Jordan. Yeah. So I, th- I think those were a couple, especially when you just saw re- like relatively before that, like Inter and Atletico had both gone for like 60. So I thought Spurs for 48 was really good at the time. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else I see right off, like that I could remember thinking then. Obviously now Southampton, as you mentioned earlier, is like the steal of all steals because you got them for under $30. Yeah, uh, that, but I the, can't – again, that was analytic-based. It wasn't right, the math, soccer inside base. And obviously the math backs that up um, so far in terms of their value for point. Uh, and on the other side, like I think we all knew on day one that that the Sheffield United buy was the worst. Um, <laughs> but Although Barcelona is probably giving it a run for its money. Yeah, I mean, but, but at least Barcelona only went for $59, which is like low for Barcelona. Like mm. – so even though like they've obviously struggled, like they went for less money than Chelsea, like you, that makes no sense to me in my head of like doing the the Champions League thing for all these years, where it's like Barcelona's always the like a top three spent team. Um, but I mean, it, it's funny if you look at the worst value for dollar so far, it's Sheffield and Schalke are the worst too, which makes sense because they've just both been dreadful. And the third worst is Arsenal, by the way, which went for forty six. Oh, true. Oh, and sure. so, like, and again, that was Josh as well. So maybe Josh got the steal and the, and the, and, you know, as it turns out, the hammer all at the same time where they, you know, he got the best and the worst of it. But I mean, Arsenal has 58 points, like, in our setup. That's like cataclysmically well. Like, that it's, like, I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, you could just, I could just start cherry picking all the teams. Like, Benevento has more points than Arsenal. Like, that's the first one I just saw. Like, that's like a, so average. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, you know, and congratulations to you. You have Benevento, who, by the way, is far better than Arsenal right now, uh, both obviously in points and value. So, yeah, it's, I think Milan was probably the one during that. I was like, damn, that's like, is that, you that's, know, a, I, that's a good one. Because I think that, you know, and I thought before the season that they were going to contend for the title, and obviously so far they are. So, but, uh, you know, as you said, uh, you bought a lot of lottery tickets, a lot of them are come through, you're in the lead. Uh, it's close. It's close. Uh, Jeff's making a little run right now. He had a couple bad, you know, everyone's had their couple bad weeks, of course, but um, you know, you're in, you can't be unhappy. Certainly. I would say all, all you can ask for is a shot, right? A, a shot to take the title in the last few weeks. And by I the way, be, I, should, uh, entertaining. I, should, I should predicate everything based on the fact that uh, we're recording this the night of December 22nd and there are games like every single day. So even if you listen to this in about like 18 hours after recording, it's going to be like, Oh, somebody else is leading now because there was a bunch of like the La Liga matches. So, you know, but just I'm just trying to timestamp it for the purposes of, you know, for the purposes of saying that you're winning by this many points right now. Awesome. Right, Always right. good to be in the lead. Yeah. So, all right. So, a couple more things before I let you go. Uh, do you have any general questions about this whole thing as somebody who's kind of, again, in the last six months, kind of, kind of d- dipped your toe in, jumped in a little bit? W- w- you know, anything that you just kind of, Think about the whole thing. I know, obviously, you seem to be a fan of everything so far, but any questions that you yeah, have? Yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, as an observer, you know, for, for a short period of time, now, it seems like you guys introduced a lot of uh, sort of innovation, new ideas, sort of new formats into the process. So as, as the commission, I guess I'm wondering, like, you know, what's next? What's what's the new, what's the next new thing? How are you thinking about keeping people on their toes? I don't know. You know, I've, been, I've, I've had some ideas um, about that. I think in terms of, 
Well, there's always there's been a couple of things I've argued for a while that I'm more or less on an island for, though I think I've had some people start to slowly trickle to my side. Uh, and that is actually, I've long supported not drafting team goalies, just drafting like individual goalies. Mm. Um, I, and I think that, you know, and everyone's argument is always, well, you know, if, if Spain wins their first two group matches and they don't have to play anyone in the third match, you lose the goalie. And I'm like, yeah, but that's like, that can happen with your striker. That can happen with your defender. Like, why is the goalie, or is there a strategy? Like, do you take someone's backup goalie? Do you, you know, does it make you more likely to take two goalies? So that's kind of been one thing that I always kind of, kind of subtly throw out there um, as a scoring change. Also for me, I've, I've kind of gotten to the point where I just wonder if all goals and assists should be the same, regardless of position. Um, just because, you know, and, and I know we've, we've kind of compressed that. I think back in the day, the defender goals were obviously far more outweighted. So I think that that was a bigger deal, but, but those are like, those are, I guess, smaller changes um, just in terms of scoring. I, I, I don't know that there's been any, ideas of any like massive overhauls because i as you said i think we've done it like i think we've largely gotten it right i think that there's always going to be the little things right there's always going to be little tweaks and and you know the game changes a little bit so we have to change with it and you know i think that one of the big things is like the formation like the four three three is a lot bigger in soccer now and like the one striker formation and so there's like those wingers like a lot of time like are they midfielders are they forwards so there's been a lot of We've had arguments mm. over that in the past, um, which I'd really like to see go away because they're annoying and I don't care. But, you know, so I think that we, there's always going to be little things because as the game changes, I think we always might have to tweak little things. Um, other than that, it's like we've done, you know, obviously we did the World Cup. We've done the Euros. We've done all like the Confederation tournaments pretty much. We did MOS. We've done different things for the leagues. We did the Confederations Cup back when it was still a thing where we drafted literally the entire tournament because there were eight teams and eight of us. So we just drafted like 20 guys each. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I think in that sense, like we've done, I don't know what else there really is to add, you know, if, if that makes sense. So I think there's always going to be little tweaks. Um, maybe expanding stuff in a sense that like, when the world cup rolls around or when the euros roll around, like having a second league almost so that people that, you know, were not on this train since day one can still be in it without, you know, Here, here's a, here's a crazy <coughs> thought for you. Promotion and relegation so, yeah. in the golden no, balls. So we have thought about it. That, that, it has oh, been fuck. I thought I had a good idea. No, no, well, okay. it, so here's the thing, right. Um, there's, there's only, there's actually one problem with that, which is slightly unfair to everyone. I, I, I grant you. Um, obviously, except for those of us who've been doing this for 15 years. Uh, I think the issue is that since the tournaments are only every four years, like eight years is too long to not be in it, if that makes sense. I think if it was like... what, But couldn't you, couldn't you do it across, you know, uh, across formats? So like you're not... Maybe, but not do just... you really want to miss the World Cup because you came in last in like the Asian Cup? Well, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So it, it's tricky. So I think what we might do is or what i'm thinking about doing is just doing it where like all right here's like this is what we've been doing forever we're going to continue to do this but there's going to be another league and it you know and you know you get like people like you josh uh, nabil who's done things uh kayla who's done things like you guys like want to do the world cup and like have a draft and do it all like that's great if people that are doing the original one want to do a second league like you know that way we can make sure we have you know a good solid group of seven or eight people and that way um you know, because it, uh, I, you, you, 
you sound a, a little bit like Don Garver right now, but I, I, I'll, I take it. I, I believe. But I, I think, it. It, I, I mean that in the sense that, like, I, like, like, I don't think it's necessarily fun that I'm like that. You know that we like, oh, we just need an extra person now. We'll call Brian. Like, I don't think that's <laughs> like that sucks. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like that, you know, that's like that's like you're being the, like that's what you standing. Oh no, to... I, I meant on promotion and relegation. I meant oh. there's a. Uh... You know, a Premier League and a, a sort of Serie B. Yeah, I mean, I think they're kind of Manny, Manny. You know, Manny. Well, we are thinking about we are B. thinking about kicking Manny out because he's like he's being just an asshole. So um, I don't know what happens if that if that goes through because I don't, I don't know what. See, uh, let me uh, go briefly ask like, what knowledge did you have about this before Jeff? Like, did you ever know about this before Jeff came to you this year? Like at all? Yeah. I, so Jeff, <coughs> I've, I've watched Jeff do, you know, a few, a few, uh, a few drafts and he's sort of talked about his, his degenerate friends. It, it I'll, I'll be honest. It's tough to remember. Uh, it's tough to prioritize the golden balls when he tells stories of like, you know, Manny and all of the, the D gens from right. uh, Mendham. It, it's tough for this to stick at the top, but he's definitely mentioned it. At the top so, so sure. the, so the thing about Manny, uh, I'll say very briefly is like, we put in starting in 2014 for the world cup in euros that if you came in last place, you had to write a letter of apology to everybody in the league for being like essentially so bad. So Manny finishes last in 2014 and actually writes like uh, some philosophically themed thing. And it was, it was really good. And like we all read it and it was like, that's awesome. And then Andy came in last in the Euros and wrote a poem that like actually rhymed and it was like utterly fantastic. And then wow. Manny finished last again in 2018 and essentially like rewrote Mein Kampf and blamed like everybody else for his failures. And <laughs> just like pissed everybody off. Like, where he took absolutely no responsibility, didn't apologize, essentially. And since it's supposed to be a letter of apology, there's a there's a, a groundswell for, like, not letting him be in the next World Cup unless he, like, rewrites the apology letter. That's fair. So, so uh, and, like, that argument is made, like, very much half-jokingly, half-seriously. So... I, I, I mean, a, a rule's a rule, right? <laughs> right. If they didn't meet the stipulations... Um, Actually, uh, to be completely, I don't know if you've ever got the link, but I can actually send it to you. If you look at the uh, the Golden Balls website for those tournaments, you can actually I, the, the the letters are actually on there. Um, Is can, there a Golden Ball? I didn't even know. Yeah, there was there's a, there's a, a sort of archive. Yeah, there's an archive for it. I'll actually send you the link, and that way you can look at. But they, you can see the letters on the pages for those websites, and you, you can kind of just see like historically like, like what the hell's gone on. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean we're we're always looking at different things, and obviously even just like seeing like MLS is back being a thing and doing the Eurobomb for the first time this year. So I think like I think as we get older, we're becoming in a way more degenerate. Like it's like where like we always need to have like some sort of fantasy like in front of us at all times. And so I think it feels, feels appropriate. Yeah, and I appropriate. and I think that as long as that's the case, there's always going to be something we're going to find like that's absolutely absurd. Uh, you know, uh, to find a way to gamble and be able to talk shit to each other. And I think that that's you know. I, God willing, as long as we all live, I think that's going to be our, we're going to be 80 years old, like all in the same nursing home doing like World Cup, like 2070 or whatever, like just like hey. making fun of Manny for finishing last for the 10th straight time. I love it. I love it. I, I hope to, uh, you know, participate well into the, the point where the U.S. is actually competitive. Hey, that's coming soon. We're, we're up there. All right. So before uh, before I let you go, I appreciate you giving me this much time. I know with the kids and everything, it's not always the easiest thing, but I have some uh, random questions that are some soccer related, some not. But just a, again, 
uh, just as a rapid fire. I've never done this before, so this might be absolutely terrible, and and I'm never doing it again. But I'm just curious. I figure I've heard it on other podcasts, so why the hell not? So I'm, you're you're my guinea pig for this one. Let's go. You can go as uh, as short or as long as you want to on any of these questions. It can be one word, or you can actually explain it. I'm cool either way. First question is uh, Marvel or Star Wars? Star Wars. Uh, favorite movie, TV show, et cetera, et cetera, from Star Wars then, and why? Ooh. I mean, you, you got to go The Empire Strikes Back, right? It's like the darkest, you know, the most the most sort of non-Disneyfied clear winner. All right. So I have two follow-up random questions about that. Prequels, yay or nay overall? Nay. Sequels, yay or nay overall? I'm a yay. On the okay. Sequels. And without saying any spoilers, have you watched The Mandalorian and how good is it? I have not yet, but I, I you know, the all the women I work with love the baby Yoda. It's a big winner. So I, I pretend that I've seen okay. it just so I can like participate in the conversation. But seriously, it, it's like the best Star Wars and I don't know how long you need to watch it. Absolutely. Especially if you wow. actually like it's it's incredible. It's so good. That's I mean my Re- I, I'm a, and I'm a, and I'm a I'm Star in. Wars nerd, so I'd like to say that uh, I'd like to say I'm saying that from some level of knowledge, but it's it's super good. Good. All right. Uh FIFA, Madden, Call of Duty, other or you have two you have kids and you're not playing video games ever. Uh, FIFA, occasionally I try to get it in, but I, I, you know, back in the day, FIFA, like so many great, you know, the stand in front of the goalie while he's, he's like drop kicking it to deflect it back into the goal. Like the slide tackle and the ref comes after you and you run away. Like, oh, you're talking you about like the nineties. You're talking about nineties FIFA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, that, that was like the beginning. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I obviously the, the current version is, is a, a more elevated, uh, offering, but you know, from, from the, from the. Heyday, you gotta love FIFA. All right, all right. So, uh, just because it is the season, what is the favorite holiday gift you've ever received? Oh, the that I mean, you're you're really pressing me. I was, you know, back in the day, back in the day, I loved Duplo Legos, like okay. Duplo Lego Zoo Kit. And now the weird thing is, I'm like buying the same shit for my kids, and I love it even more now. How can you not? All right, uh, last non-soccer question. Uh, what is in your head the first vacation you were taking after the pandemic? Where ooh, are you going? Ooh. The, so the, the last, and this is going to be like a sob story. The, the vacation that I had scheduled that got canceled was a, a sort of work trip for training to Versailles ooh. weekend in Paris. And then the U.S. was supposed to play, I think, Wales in Amsterdam that like Tuesday. And so that was like on the docket. And if I can just recreate like 60% of that, you know, like drinking in Paris with a U.S. game in Europe. Oh, my God. Like I would I would I would kill to do that. I like that. All right. So this is uh, again. Now I'm moving to some soccer either or. So you have to answer each one. Yep. One of them's a, the last one's a throwaway. But all right. Who do you prefer? Even like even if you're not a fan of either team, Manchester United or Liverpool? I guess Liverpool if I had to. Bayern. Klopp, you gotta like Klopp. I, I like Klopp's a good dude. Bayern or Dortmund? Dortmund for sure. AC Milan or Inter Milan? I think I think AC Milan just because Zlatan is like larger than life personality combined with the other end of the barbell in in Maldini like Maldini you gotta you gotta love it. I AC all AC. Real Madrid Barcelona. Oh. Uh, Real. 
England reluctantly. Ver- I love I love that she was you know athletic, but real England versus Germany. I I gotta go with England just to spite Madam. Uh, I I actually thought you were gonna say that for exactly that reason. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're gonna say here, but I just want to hear it. U.S. versus Mexico. Gotta be dose zero. Damn straight. All right, uh, last question, and this uh, last question I'll leave you with this is just your a, a random prediction. Who is going to win Euro 2020? And why, why not just say, who do you think they're going to beat in the final? Ooh. You know, I, I think, like, Belgium has been knocking on the door here, right? Like, for so, so many cycles. And I know Hazard is, like, out of form. But we got, you know, we got seven months here. De Bruyne is going to, he's got to win something internationally at some point and so i'm gonna go i think it's I, I guess i wouldn't call it a dark horse but it's definitely not the favorite at this point i'm gonna go belgium okay. and i'm gonna go over i mean could could i could i call it over england a, a sort of rematch of the what was that uh they they played they played, they played twice they played in the group stage and the third place game in uh in 2018 in the world cup didn't they yeah the third place right um and so i i think i'm gonna go i mean england's a talented squad assuming uh jose doesn't run kane into oblivion well what are the chances? Uh, that's absolutely gonna happen so you might as well just bake that in bake that in yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go belgium over over england uh france is you know too many issues griezmann's out of form pogba's smoking dubs uh yeah so that's that's my prediction and if they both win their group that actually they would be on separate sides of the bracket actually i should have asked this before when i said the either or so this is actually my last final final question because i realized i asked a bunch of either or's and didn't ask the most obvious one in the world which is of course messi or ronaldo oh you i just love ronaldo's just pure physical dominance he reminds me of just lebron on the soccer field so i'm going Ronaldo for all the reasons on the field. Ugh, you break my heart with that last one. Sorry, man. That's all right. Well, I, I really appreciate it. Um, obviously, I would like to have you back on again as we move through the Eurobomb uh, moving forward. Uh, I'm really happy. Honestly, I can say that I'm really happy that you've kind of you've joined the, the absolute utter chaos that is the Golden Balls. Uh, as I said, I hope you're hope you're enjoying it so far. I uh, hope you're having a good time, and and you know I'm glad that we've been able to bring any uh, any light to the darkness of 2020 for you. Absolutely, it's been a blast to join the uh, you know the the golden balls. It's been a blast to join the podcast, and uh, looking forward to more competitions going forward. Sweet, and more podcasts. Sweet deal. All right, that is Brian Wynn. Thank you very much, Brian, and we will be back with another special guest right after this. Cause this is my legacy, legacy Now on the show, we have a first-time guest, a long-awaited guest. I think everyone's wanted to hear from this person from way down now in Mississippi. Manuel Rodero, you're on the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm doing well. You know, tomorrow's Christmas Eve, so going to do some Christmas shopping later. But other than that, things are good. No, of course. Why would you be done with Christmas shopping on December the 23rd? 
yeah, I don't know. I guess I've been dealing a lot with uh, house buying and renovations and stuff that we've kind of put that yeah. one off. Well, the first thing I do have to say is uh, how is uh, how is the transition to Mississippi been? Obviously, you've been down there a few months now, and what's uh, what's it all about down there? Uh, well, it's nice. Like for one, I can still play tennis, which is great. Like I actually hit yesterday. Um, uh, and with New York being dead because of COVID, I'm not really. I don't feel like I'm missing as much up there. So um, no complaints. I want everyone in the Golden Balls community to come down and visit me at some point soon to show off our new Mississippi life. And uh, yeah, as you said, so I, I think if you mentioned it to us in um, chats or whatever, like COVID is not really a big deal in Mississippi. Well, see, our county is interesting because we're the, um, you know, the, the, the university county. And so we're much more liberal. Um, like we actually voted Democrat in the last election. And so, uh, like, our county has mask rules and mask requirements and social distancing rules and requirements and stuff that other parts of the state don't have. Um, and so, like, Mississippi, a lot of it, all the hospitals are filled, everything's, like, run over. But on our end, um, it's it's being managed pretty well. Um, so, so, yeah, yeah. Um, we're not, sounds like, we're not sounds a lot like Orlando. What my actually what my sister said, where like parts of Florida are like absolutely absurd, but Orange County is all like they actually take it seriously. So she's in better shape than most. Yeah, yeah, they do a much more like county by by county sort of approach. So it's not statewide. Like the governor of Mississippi is like, well, people are smart; they can make their own decisions. So it's up to like the counties and the towns to make the decisions for the people. All right, so let's transition into the soccer world. Uh, big soccer culture down there in Mississippi? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think there's – so in the U.S., I would say we think Hispanic people are probably the most drawn to soccer. And I think there's under 1% of the population's Hispanic. Uh, so I'm going to go with no. <laughs> haven't, haven't seen some pickup games on the sides of uh... – you know, actually, right where I play tennis, there's a big soccer field on the side. And there's always people playing games. Okay. So but at least there's, somebody's playing. Someone is playing, but a lot more football. When you drive around campus, there's a lot of people playing pickup football and stuff. So definitely American football is is the sport of the Deep South, which I'm sure you're well aware. Yes. All right. So let's talk about you here. So you are a, a founding member of the Golden Balls, but you are uh, not a soccer fan, really, by any stretch of the imagination. So if you can even try and pretend to go back to 2006 and since then, other than like FOMO, why be in the Golden Balls if you are not a soccer fan? Hmm. Okay, great question. Well, I think you are right. I like the uh, hanging out with all my buddies and competing with all you guys. That's kind of my biggest draw. Um, but I do love international soccer. Like it's amazing to see these countries match up and stuff and it's it's fun and has it has like more energy than any other sport that there is. Like my second favorite sport is probably college basketball, and I like that mostly because of how much you know people get into it and how riled up everything is and how everyone takes it so seriously. And if you're talking about that, I think international soccer is like the the pinnacle of of that type of energy and atmosphere and just you know even people who don't care about sports normally get drawn in and interested in the world cup in, in euros and these big tournaments and stuff. So um, I don't know. I definitely like 
the golden balls because it keeps me really focused on these things and more knowledge about about these things than I would uh, normally be. Okay. What do you remember by any chance, stretch of the imagination, like the first soccer game you ever watched? Oh my god. Ah. Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, I'm assuming though. It, you know, I went to an Olympics. Ninety-six. I, I think the one in yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the Olympics. I know I watched the soccer game there. I watched like Saudi Arabia play Spain. I think okay. so that might be the first one. And, and on the watched. other, and on the other end, what, what do you remember the last time you watched a soccer game that was not Golden Balls related? Oh, uh, okay, and so that includes Champions League because I do watch. Well, I guess I watched some Champions League. Yeah, but that's that's still Golden Balls, probably right. What? That's probably Golden Balls related, though, right? No, I just watched um, like one of the semifinals in one of the years that I wasn't in it, just because I was like at the gym working out and it was on, and I was like, "Oh, I'll check that out." But you haven't like sat down and watched a game of like your own volition in some amount of time, then? Yes, yeah, like never, unless I'm hanging out with you guys or Golden Balls. But like, there's so much Golden Ball stuff that usually at this point, yeah, I think at this point we have it all covered, right? Yeah, exactly. Even though I haven't been in the Champions League for a while, and I kind of want to be into it, in it again because I do like watching that. Well, that is no one's fault from your own, but your that, own. That is definitely true. It's just right. when, for some reason, whenever that draft was, I keep missing it. So, so in general, as we go through all these tournaments throughout the years, as someone who again is is more of a casual fan, you watch maybe the international stuff, not really club soccer. How do you prepare? for drafts like getting player information studying up but what is your what is your method when you're you know we're three months or four months maybe before the world cup or the euros or whatever and you're not watching like manchester united or barcelona every week so what do you do yeah so i recognize that i'll never be able to compete uh from an informational you know standpoint with you guys who actually watch all the club games and know who's fit and know who's you know playing well and stuff like that. So my strategy is more focused on teams, right? And so I want to really look at the brackets, look at the overall teams, see which ones I think will have the best chance of, you know, making it far, playing extra games. Um, and so I, I try and focus more on teams and then just scoop up as many of the possible starters that I can think of on those respective teams. So I'm less player-oriented and more so um, looking at a, um, you know, high sort of team level, because I don't think I can compete on a fine-grained individual player level with you guys. And this really, uh, more often than not, turns out to just be Spain and the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, so usually I try to... And Argentina, Spain. I think, too, is like the other one. When I do my research, I'm like, I'm not going to draft all Spain. I'm and just not going to do it. And then I get to the draft, and I have all this information on other teams and all these other players. And I just see Spanish guys sitting there and I get really excited. And once I drafted a couple of them, then I'm just like, well, screw it. I got to draft them all. And I go crazy and get every single Spanish player. All right. And I, I think everyone really does want to know how much per tournament do you usually pay Jeff for all his leftover information to, to review? <laughs> Nothing. Jeff actually screws me all the time in these things. Every single time I'm drafting, he's like, well, I don't know about that guy. Here's guys knee tweaked. And I'm like, God damn it. Now I got to get the backup. So I think Jeff more so than anyone else actually gives me false information that steers me away from making good decisions. 
but yeah, I should trap, you know, tap into that Jeff heavy research gold mine. He has all the analytics. All right. Regardless of finishing in any other spot, everything else equal, would you rather win like the world cup, the euros or Africa cup of nations again? Like, <laughs> what, like what is your preferred ranking <laughs> they, of tournaments? To they win? are all great. And I do love them all. Um, I do have a, st- a soft spot for Euros. I love Euros so much. Like, I just think those matchups are so funny between all these European powers um, that I kind of always have really been drawn to that one. But the World Cup is the biggest one. Like, how would I not want to win the World Cup? Um, but AFCON's the one I'm historically good at. Uh, <laughs> maybe because there's less <laughs> information about the individual players. But I think I got to go Euros, even though it's a good question. Euro, okay. All right, so let's... Let's talk about this for a sec. So I'm going to read you your list of results in not in draft tournaments. Yeah. 2006 World Cup, sixth out of six. Not good. 2010 World Cup, fourth out of six. 2012 Euros, seventh out of seven. (laughs) 2014 World Cup, eighth out of eighth. 2016 Euros, fifth out of eight. Uh, 2017 AFCON, sixth out of eight. Confederations Cup in 2017, five out of eight. World Cup uh, 2018, eight out of eight. And then all of a sudden in 2019, you finish second in the Asian Cup and you win the Africa Cup of Nations. So how? Like, how how did you go from literally being, I, I don't even know the, like, Charlie Brown kicking the football, like, what? I don't know the Cleveland Browns, like, what? I don't know what the example to give is. How did you go from being, like, that bad to actually doing really well? So two tournaments. I do think there's one conscious decision I made here. I kept the strategy the same as focusing more on teams and trying to scoop up as many players on the given teams I thought would go far. But historically, I tried to focus on three teams. And I think that wasn't the way to go. And so what I decided to do more was instead drop from, you know, four or five teams. And so I expanded uh, the pool of teams that I'd be comfortable from draft drafting from. And I think that gave me more substitutability and I did a good job of picking the teams, right? Um, so there were other tournaments like that one world cup where I predicted the finals and I tried to draft all the players, but I think I was too consolidated and too many subs and backups on those rosters. So even though I had the right teams, I wasn't able to accumulate enough points and it would have been better if I had picked other teams that maybe just made the quarters or the semis instead of the finals, but um, had more starters on those. And teams. for, and, and for the record, just because I, I, everyone does know this, but I just, I feel like saying this again, this would be uh, the 2010 world cup with the Spanish and the Argentine, uh, the Dutch, I should say, where even though that you had like the most people in the finals, you still had like a total of you had like nine guys or ten guys in the final, including the game winning assist guy, and you got like ten points total out of ten people. Yeah, that it was really good. That would be the situation there, which is of course one of the um, more popular um, situations. Um, all right, so the strategy that you just kind of you kind of outlined there, obviously, I would assume that that is something you are looking to. Um, to kind of continue moving forward? Yeah, I would like to continue that, but then I run into my Spain problem, where when I see Spain, I just go crazy, and I'm like, they're the best team! They have to win! And then, and then you know, they play these games right before the big tournaments, like the Euros and World, World Cup, 
where they beat the teams like, you know, 6-1. And I'm like, well, it doesn't even matter. I can just get all the guys, and they'll put up tons of goals. They're scoring more than anyone else. But then during the tournament, they, like, only score one or two goals a game, and it doesn't go according to plan. Okay. So we do have to talk about your World Cup performances, which, as uh, as just referenced, have been um... – Shall we say historically bad? I'd imagine they're probably the worst out of any. Uh, I don't see how they're not. Unless someone went really wild and hasn't even finished middle of the pack ones. Uh, well, again, you finished last three times, so I think it wouldn't even matter if. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, my World Cup. So, but we do have to. Uh, we have to talk about something specific, and that is again, in starting in 2014, we started the, uh, the, the 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 tradition of the last place person writing the last place letter. And in the 2014 World Cup, you came in last, and you penned a uh, I'm, um, a very wonderful kind of situation here. Um, in 2018, however, you kind of um, you kind of ruffled some feathers with your letters, where you took absolutely no responsibility for what happened. You blamed everyone else. Uh, you really kind of went very angry. You referenced a bunch of random, like, Trump and Star Wars and, you know, random, I don't even know, Taco Bell, all sorts of stuff. And, of course, there are many people that are in the league that um, think that you should be banned from participating again until you make good on uh, and write a new letter or adjust the letter. So what do you have to say to the haters? We, we need to talk about this. So uh, who believe that you should be uh, absolutely just like, just kicked out of the entire situation. I think that this letter has been much maligned. Sure. I deflected blame and placed it upon other external uh, factors beyond my control. But I think that there actually was some contrition at the end of that letter. I would have to pull it up though, to review actually what the letter said. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and I, I think that your idea of, um, like, contrition at the end is, like, a PS. And even then, I'm not even sure it was much contrition. What does it say? Read it. Read it. Word well, word. the though the, just the PS? Yeah. Once again, congrats, Jeffrey, on the win. Good work, everyone. It was a pleasure, as always. Thank you, for J Jared, for running the show. Also, can we please deal with, a.k.a. vote on midfielder points and vote on my proposal of two points for a win, two for a clean sheet, and one for a draw. Once again, sincerely, your worthless and defeated friend, Manny. PPS, you guys are so lucky to have me. Writing these letters is impossibly brutal. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> See, that, that, there's some contrition there. I said worthless and stuff. And that's, the, yeah. that's to close out the letter. That's really, you know, the message that I, I'm trying to portray in that letter. But you spend like 90% of it not taking any responsibility or contrition. Yes, yes. I think that was a stylistic choice that I made uh, that I thought it would be funny if I, uh, you know, used a more aggressive, attacking sort of Trump approach. Uh, and then at the end, offer an actual apology for my failures. And, and you decided that taking the Trump approach was the smart, sane, rational decision to have made well he did become the president so i thought it was i thought it was very appropriate for the time period to try try to channel that sort of attitude but i believe unlike trump at the end i actually did apologize and change uh the tone of the letter by doing that G given what has gone on in 2020 would you channel your inner trump again 
given the opportunity to write another last place letter. Well, see, now um, now I have a problem that I'm, I'm locked into this letter and I can't really rewrite it because of the fact that I've just won the last tournament and it would be insulting to the AFCON constituency if uh, their, you know, victor had to show remorse and contrition and call themselves a pathetic idiot again. Uh, so I, I, I run this jam where I don't want to disparage, um, you know, my the, the, the proud African peoples by, um, you know, saying that their victor was a, you know, total failure. And you think everyone else is going to buy that? Well, I'm just curious. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my line. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm sure at some point, I'm sure as soon as people listen to this, I'm going to get inundated with like calls and texts, like for people demanding to be on the next like show to like counter this or maybe get in the same, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, the same call as you to like debate this. So this might not be the end of the 2000 letter, 18 letter drama, but I did want to give you the unrestricted non-text message version to, uh, to defend yourself. To all the haters well, out what there. I I, say, what I do want to say is I think people should review more the end of that letter and look at the change in tone and understand what that was trying to achieve. That would be my request to the the folks. All right. So people listening, I put it out to you guys to um to possibly, I guess, read again and maybe take the PS more seriously than the the paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs that come before it, I guess. Yes. Um, all right. Is there anything else from your perspective, from a from a Golden Balls perspective, that you would like to discuss? Feel the need to discuss? Have questions about? Have any airing of grievances? Is it today? I believe it's Festivus. So any airing of grievances <laughs> that you would like to um, to kind of throw out there? Um, no. Did we take my proposals on board with the point scoring? Um, well, I think I think some of them we since 2018. I think we did. We talked about the midfielder point. I think it was after that that we added like the wins and and clean sheet points for midfielders. I don't think we dropped down the defender points or anything like you were talking about. But I think by adding them to midfielders, yes, I think maybe I, I don't know. If it, maybe it wasn't better. exactly right. It wasn't two and two, but we did do something. So midfielder points did um, did enter the phrase starting in 2019. And again, you were more successful. So maybe you can use that as your your justification for being more successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've always drafted more holding midfielders who have been terrible. But um, now they get some points. Other than that, I still want us to be voting on, like, individual goalies and not team goalies. But that's a separate matter for a separate day. Oh, that's interesting. Um, if you don't want to get into it now, that's fine. No, we can, get, we can get into it. I just – I mean, I just – I've always – I've been, you know – throwing this out there for years and everyone just goes no goalies are too important blah 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 but I, I still feel like it's a good strategic um, well so, you know. so would we expand the our, our rosters that we're fielding because we maybe would have to draft backup goalies then I mean maybe by like one or two I don't like I don't know I don't know that we necessarily need to some people take more than one goalie anyway so the question would be if you're going to take like you know Manuel Neuer or whatever and then you're going to take, you're like, what is now, right? Like, so somebody takes maybe like the Germany goalies and some people roll with one goalie and some people take a second one. Yeah. So the idea would be like, if you take Neuer, do you want to take another starting goalie or do you want to take, you know, the backup to Neuer and hope, and if so, if Neuer doesn't play a match, like it's, I think it's the same as what you do is if you have, you know, Sergio Ramos, yeah. like, yes, he is supposed to play every game, but if they've clinched by the third group stage, is he going to sit a game? If he gets hurt, who's going to play? Like, do you take the backup to certain, like, I just think it's, 
the, the position is not too dissimilar. And I think we've also created a system where, like, it used to be, like, if you had the winning goalie, like, you won. Yes. And that's not the case anymore. So is it as crucial that we have team goal? I mean, that's just my kind of – because, what, Dragon had the French goalies in 2018 and finished, like, seventh. So, obviously – it's not as crucial as it once was. Yeah. Did I have the winning goalies in AFCON? Didn't I? Who even won AFCON? I don't remember. Uh, uh, Who did win AFCON? The Al- was it Algeria, Algeria, right? No, Jeff did, and he lost by – well, I mean, Jeff lost by a couple points. So he was right there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they had you had the Senegal teams. AFCON. The Senegal guys. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so – so, I mean, I, I just think that it, I think it would add just a little bit. Of, I think it would add like just enough little strategy without uh, kind of like over, over, like drastically changing everything. That's kind of my. Yeah, no, I, I actually probably wouldn't be opposed to that. You know, what's really funny. If you look, if you Google winner of AFCON 2019, it doesn't tell you who won the tournament. It tells you the host country and the fair play award winner. I mean, mine, if I typed in AFCON 2019 winners and it sells Algeria, so. Oh, okay. That's cool. Well, and we know it had to be Algeria because your idiot guy, like, has scored the greatest goal of all time, which Jeff loves. The deflection that ruined Jeff's life, yes. Oh, this is the last thing I do want to talk about. I, like, I gave you your open floor about your 2018 winner, and here's your opportunity to just talk about AFCON 2019, your glorious victory over <laughs> Jeff, which. Uh, I mean, uh, no, see, I, I don't need to gloat. That was a well-earned victory. My, my teams played well. Uh, and I hope to be able to, you know, learn from that, expanding the team base a little bit and, uh, use that going forward. So I'm just proud of all my AFCON fighters and I want to be out there next year. Uh, you know, when is it next AFCON? It's actually, it's uh, January of 2022 right now is the, uh, is AFCON 2021 because of, you know, COVID delays. Yeah. And I want to be out there next time and draft all my, I guess, North African teams that I love and uh, go, go try and get another title. The glorious part is as we listen, as Jeff just listens to this last like 15, 20 minutes, um, I will be able to hear him screaming from Brooklyn uh, in Harrison. This is going to be glorious for me. I'll know exactly when he's listening to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, anything else on golden balls? Uh, No, but I do once again, Jared want to thank you for putting in all the time and effort for making a fantastic, I guess we could call it series of leagues at this point. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I um, uh, really, I it, not that it's a not that it's a new thought by any stretch of the imagination, but it is kind of insane when you think about like us starting this in two thousand six is kind of like a um, like a random something to do, and now it's like just morphed into like even like more and more insane as like every year goes by, where we just like keep finding ways to like add like insane things to keep doing it. So I think it's. Like, it actually, um, if you listen to this, like, the previous interview I had, um, I talked about how, like, we're going to be 80 years old, and, like, we're still going to be, like, we're all going to be, like, the same nursing home. Here's and, like, we're all just going to be, yeah, like, talking shit. <laughs> like, talking about, like, like, the 2070 World Cup, like, draft, and, like, like ragging on you for finishing last, like, the 15th consecutive <laughs> time in the World Cup. And, like, <laughs> I wonder what countries they'll be then. Oh yeah, I don't even know. Spain will be broken up. Oh, maybe that will save me. Spain. Catalonia by then. Maybe, and then I can draft multiple Spanish teams. (laughs) There you go. All right. So before I let you go, I have a a random kind of uh, uh, 
a machine gun list of questions, some soccer related, some not soccer related, just as a, like I hear, I see other podcasts do this. I figure what the hell, just to, as a little fun little thing. So this is, you can go as short as long or, or as long in these answers as you want. It could be a one word answer. You can, you can expand, expound on it. Completely up to you. So the first question is, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe or Star Wars? Oh, uh, you know, I love the early Star Wars more than anything Marvel has made, so Star Wars. All right. Of, uh, in Star Wars, favorite movie, TV show, et cetera, et cetera, from oh, Star Wars. Um, yeah, you know, the the final of the original trilo- trilogy. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. All about the Ewoks? Yeah, I, I love it. It's so epic at the end. All right. Have you watched The Mandalorian? No, Spoiler I haven't watched free? The Mandalorian. Gotta watch The Mandalorian. Oh, actually, you know what? I take that back. I love Rogue One. I love Rogue One. I think it's like such a good movie, uh, just standalone. But it doesn't have Rogue the emotional resonance that I had with the original Star Wars trilogy. But I do think Rogue One's the best film, you know, as an actual movie. That's hard to argue. I mean, that actually is an incredible film. Of course, it's not really a Star Wars film at the same time. It is, but it isn't. Yeah. I think that's probably why it works so well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They should do more. All right. Uh, playing FIFA, Madden, Call of Duty, something else, or you haven't looked at a video game in 10 years? Uh, well, I haven't really looked at that many video games. I'm definitely a Madden guy. Yeah, you were definitely a Madden guy. Um, what is the favorite holiday gift you have ever received? <laughs> what is the favorite holiday gift I ever received? I think I got a car. Remember my old uh, Saturn station wagon that Draglin drew- yeah, drove yeah. off a cliff? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got that as a... Uh, holiday gift okay so that's my favorite. um final final non-soccer question what is in your head the first vacation you would like to take after the pandemic is over and life has returned to whatever normalcy that we will get back to oh my god i, I don't know if it counts as a vacation but i just want to get back up to the northeast and go you know visit everyone in new york city visit everyone in boston visit everyone in dc and have pal rounds with all my buddies because i miss you guys a lot Oh, so after sticking the uh, the middle finger to everyone with the 2018 letter discussion, now you're trying to suck back in everyone's <laughs> hearts with the with the heartfelt. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my my, my Trump line on this one. But uh... all right, so some either ors in the soccer world, and even if you don't like either team, you have to say answer one. Which one do you prefer? Even if you don't like either team. Yeah. First one: Manchester United or Liverpool. You know, I, I like Manchester United more. Really? Okay. Because they're they, uh, they're like the most famous soccer team ever. I gotta give them some props. Are they though? They're I don't care about Liverpool. That's a good question. Okay, Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund? Oh, the honeybees are fun. I'm gonna go honeybees. Okay, AC Milan or Inter Milan? Uh sure. I don't. I really don't have an opinion on that. Uh, I think I think AC Milan. I I like more. I like their colors more. The the red and yeah. black. All right, Real Madrid or Barcelona? Definitely Barca. Okay, uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. I hate Ronaldo. England or Germany? Uh, I like Germany more. Sucking up to Jeff again. This is just, it's, this is ruthless <laughs> at this point. No, I like Germany. Uh, I don't like the English. All right, uh, U.S. or Mexico? Uh, this is oh, my favorite US. one because I just want I everyone to say it. U.S. That's, I don't want people to say Mexico. Yeah, because... Yeah. It's all because of you guys, though. Like, I love going to watch the games and see how much you get into it and cheering. Like, some some of those times at the bars when we went to those U.S., you know, World Cup games are amazing. All right. Last one soccer-related is uh, prediction time. Who do you think is going to win Euro 2020, and who are they going to beat in the final? 
okay. Well, obviously, my answer is going to be Spain. And who they're going to play in the finals is uh, France. France. So you're still big on the, the French uh, golden generation or whatever. Yeah, they're called. still young enough. I really don't like them. And I hope Spain can beat them. I wonder, I have to have to see this now because let's see. So Spain is in group E and France is in group F. So if they both win their group, they would both, they would actually could play in the finals. Nice. Say if France, well, so France has that insanely hard group with like Portugal and Germany. Wow. That is a hard so, group. Even though Portugal, I bet will be down. Maybe. No, but Portugal has been really good though, still since then. They have a nice little young generation. But so if France does not win their group though, they could actually play Spain. Uh, actually, they would play in like the quarterfinals. That would actually be insane. That would that be happens. insane. Who's the favorite? Right, so the last out of curiosity, I really, I don't. Um, know. so it's really weird because I think if you go to like the British websites, I actually think like England is co-favorite okay, that's because it's England. But uh, I think let's see. Um, I think England. Uh, so if you look at like the British side, so let's forget England for a second because that's obviously overhyped. Yeah. Right now, it's uh, Belgium five to one, France six to one, Dutch and Germany seven to one, Spain eight to one. Wow, so Belgium favored. Uh, so, I mean, I think they still have, like, their, like, golden generation. I think a lot of people are, like, kind of of the mind. It's like, okay, they've come, like, they keep coming really close, and they're so good, and De Bruyne is still amazing, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And so, I've always loved you know, like, drafting the Belgians. Yeah, I, I think, like, and I don't think any of their players are really, like, all that hateable. So, I think there it's, like, with some other teams, it's, like, you have to draft. Like, Sergio Ramos is, like, awful, but, like, you, he's good, so you have to take him. And Ronaldo, like, everyone hates, but you have to take him. So it's like, but Belgium has a bunch of guys that you're like, oh, I like this guy. Like, I like this guy. De Bruyne, like, Hazard, all these guys everyone likes. So it's even easier. Hey, I got a question for you. Is Russia yeah. in it? Uh, Russia is, yes. And they are technically supposed to host matches. I don't, I, obviously, they are subject right now to not being allowed to call themselves Russia. Yeah, okay. Um, but the rule on that stuff is that, like, it's like in the last Olympics, I think, like, they're allowed to compete, but they just can't have, like, the Russian flag. So I'm assuming it's, like, the exact same thing. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. So they'd still be in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they're not going to get kicked out. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. See why. I wasn't sure um, if they'd be kicked out or not. And they're they might actually advance from their group too, which would actually be terrible because I hate watching Russia play soccer. So who's who's Scotland with again? I want to hear. Scotland actually gets to play. They get to play England. Oh man. Uh, and then Croatia and the Czech Republic. But yeah. So on June 18th, England plays Scotland at Wembley Stadium, and it, it like and. For all the things, it's like I want life to get back to normal. Like I want fans in the stands for like that match, like probably more than like any single sporting event, like anywhere. I want us to be period. able to all get together and hang out with Gord and watch that. Well, I think by June we'll probably be able to do that. I mean, it's like even like at someone's house, you know, like whatever. But Gord, um, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> go up to Jersey for that. And it's also a Friday. Oh, it's like a Friday afternoon. Yeah, dude. That'd it's like a be Friday insane. three. It's like a Friday, like three or four o'clock kickoff too. It's like the perfect start to a weekend. Yeah, we got to find a way to make that happen. Yeah, we, I, I think by June we'll be able to do that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just worried about these new strains. They're scaring me. All right. The last thing I do want to talk about before I let you go is I I would be remiss if I had you on a little bit and didn't have uh, a little bit ask a couple tennis questions here. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, tennis is like insane right now and. Uh, you know, the schedule's all messed up and Grand Slams are, like, not even really Grand Slams. I feel like and, every and week that, it's but... crazy. Well, yeah, like, the Australian Open has been pushed back and then there was no Wimbledon and then, like, the French Open was in, like, November, all this random stuff. So what is your kind of, like, 
lay of the land right now in terms of like the major race and everything else going on, like with all these insane little changes going well, on. Well, I, I think that Federer is going to be passed. And the question is, is just who's going to do it, Djokovic or Nadal? Um, and how long those or, guys can... Or are both going to do it, I guess. Yeah, right? I think they're both going to do it. And then it's just a question of who's going to end up higher. Um, but you know, you know what's interesting? And this is something we've been talking about in tennis now for a while, how there hasn't been a change in the guard. And this weird disruption that has happened might actually present the opportunity to have a real generational shift occur right now um, because of how weird things are. I could see it going where maybe the old guard now, um, you know, after next year will kind of fall away. And who do you think is going to be like the actual, like, do you have any predictions on who actually is like, obviously <clears throat> we had Dominic TM actually win a major yeah. randomly the U S open. Is he the guy or is it, who is it? Uh, no, I don't think he'll be, I don't think he'll be the guy. Uh, he, he's older than the next generation. I think he's already 27, 28, something like that, you know? So I, I think his, his window won't be that long. So it's going to be, you know, the Russian dude, Medvedev, the Greek dude, Tipsarevich or whatever, German, Zev, you know, Zevarev, my boy. You're a stupid idiot. Uh, maybe even like that. Isn't there a young, like, Canadian dude? Uh, there's that really young kid. Um, uh, what's his, uh, Alger or, yeah, like or whatever. Yeah, he's 19 or something. Like, maybe he's like, yeah, I think he just turned 20. Yeah. yeah, maybe he'll be good. I don't think those other Canadians, though, like, I always thought that Rowanich would end up being good, but I think his window's closing. Um, yeah, he's been around. For yeah, so so I think it's going to be one of those young guns who are like, you know, 21, 22 right now. All right, the last soccer question I will ask you is, I, I, I'm trying to figure out the right way to ask this question. How old is the person on this planet right now that is going to be the next American man to win a major? Oh, tennis, not soccer. Yeah, tennis. Yeah, okay, okay. Oh, that's a great question, Jared. Uh, We just don't seem to be producing any quality players. There's not even a single U.S. player in the top 25 right now, and Canada has three. So I just don't think we have the pipeline for it. Um, I would say currently there are none born. So you're saying that there, like, so so you're saying that there will not be a male Grand Slam winner for 20 years for at least 20 years. Yeah. So, uh, no, no, Tiafo, no, that's ridiculous. No. That, that's insane. That can't be right. Like, there's got to be like an eight year old, yeah, yeah, 12 year old somewhere, right? Uh, I'm playing tennis down here with this other professor, and his kid's seven years old, and he's good. So, you're hoping that's who you're banking yeah, on. This I'll go with my seven year old Bruno. I know he's already, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the under on the, on the next American slam winner to be from Mississippi. No, okay, so I, but I, I'm just going with, I'm gonna say, uh, it's a seven or eight year old. So there is no current professional male American tennis player that you think is no, ever going to win a major. There's not definitely Tiafo, no current professional. Not Opelka, not any of these like 22, 23-year-olds. Never. I don't think any of them have the game. I haven't been impressed with any that I've seen. Okay. And uh, all right. Last, last question Opelka, for tennis. Though. The Riley Opelka guy? Yeah. I, don't, I haven't really seen him much. Either. I just know he's like the second or like second or third highest ranked. Like, you know, American, he's already so. 23, though. So he's done to me. He's thirty ninth in the world, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, all right, so who is the next male tennis player who's going to win their first major? Oh, great, great question. It's got to be one of those guys. 
Um, right, but I want you. I want you to go on I, the record I, you and know, pick I, one. You know, it's my boy. Uh, it's got to be Zverev. You going Zverev? Yeah. Dude, he had that really good chance. I, mean, I know. Was, I know. He's he up like two sets to love, right? Abuse things going on now, which are probably distracting. Yeah, he's not like, apparently not a good, not a not a good guy. Yeah, but I, I which makes him perfect his game. I, th- I think he looks really good. Um, which makes him perfect for to be your favorite player. It's oh, you know who I think? No, that's nah. He can't do it. Who? Um, what's his face? The crazy Aussie, uh, Kigior. Oh, he's never going to win yeah, a major. He, are you he, kidding he me? Can't hold it together for two weeks. He has tennis ADD. Like, he could never stay focused for two I've just weeks been to... watching him play, though, and just highlights of him, and his highlights are, like, unbelievable. So I'm like... Yeah, well, he, like, if, when he, like, plays well, he's amazing, but he's, like, literally the definition of, like, million-dollar body, 10-cent yeah, head. Like, yeah, he literally he can't. can't. So, yeah, I, I you know, I, I actually don't think it's going to be Zeverev because he has all this domestic abuse stuff that's probably going to ruin him. Um, I think it's going to be Uh, Rublev. Rublev. Okay, so Andre Rublev, the Russian, currently what is he number eight in the world? Yeah. Twenty-three years old is Manny's projected first out of nowhere. Uh, next guy to win their first. Rublev's going to come out and win one. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else for me before I let you? No, go? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks. That was fun chatting. Oh, it was. Uh, thanks for coming on. I hope to have you on again. Obviously, I think when. Uh, when we actually have a real golden balls tournament again, I think it's going to be madness in terms of like having fun doing this and like having everyone on and, and just yelling at each other and in a new medium. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It'll, we'll it'll definitely, definitely have you on again shortly. Good, good, good. Yeah. Hopefully everything gets back and we can actually have these tournaments and get some competition brewing. All right. That was from Mississippi, Manuel Rodero. Uh, his email address is marodero at gmail.com. You can send all your complaints there. I don't want to see them. <laughs> you can yell at him through there. Uh, you also probably have his phone number if you're listening to this. Uh, you can go with him. Manny, thank you so much for being on the show, and we will uh, hopefully have you on again all soon. All right. Thanks, Jared. Okay, that is the show. I want to thank all three of my guests, Jordan, Brian, and Manny. Uh, I think we had a lot of fun with that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Just before we we head out for 2020, uh, obviously this year has been a challenging year. Uh, The idea for doing this podcast was even before uh, the pandemic, you know, knowing that we were going to have a really fun summer ahead of us. And then, of course, we got railroaded, but I'd like to think that we made the best of it, uh, fantasy-wise, um, and beyond that. Next year, God willing, will be a much more fun year, and uh, and I'm hoping for all of you guys listening, all the best, um, a safe and happy holidays and a new year. I can't wait to get the new year going and get some of these tournaments going and be able to to sit and draft and as Jordan said earlier, you know, do stakes as Mandy said, just power around. It's uh it's been a tough one and I know that we've all uh, craved doing it. I know that Zoom uh you know kind of kind of gave us a little taste, but it'll be good to, to to be able to do the full thing next year with all of you guys. 
So again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I know that uh, some of these things have been kind of long, but I, I'd like to think they've been entertaining for you guys. I'd like to think that they've been a good time. I'd like to think that if nothing else, they've been a distraction from uh, so much shit that has just kind of rained down on us this year. And uh, and a promise that in the new year, these will continue. We will keep finding ways to have some fun, um, you know, keep doing that soccer thing, maybe do a couple, even non-soccer things. Well, I don't know. Well, we, we had, look, the world is our oyster, but, uh, you know, 2021, we got, you know, finishing up the Eurobomb, finishing up Champions League, three Confederation tournaments, hopefully, uh, and then moving into a new year with, uh, you know, the new Champions League and all that. And then, of course, in January of 2022, uh, the big year starting with the AFCON and ending with the World Cup. So, you know, this stuff's never going anywhere. Hopefully you guys are never going anywhere. I know I'm never going anywhere. And again, uh, you know, this is the 23rd episode of these that we've done. I can't believe I've actually done that many of them. Uh, but I have to thank you guys as well for not only listening, but taking part, having some really, really fun conversations, debates, uh, analysis, all sorts of things on MOS, on Champions League, on soccer as a whole, on drafting, on just the whole uh, thing. I certainly could not have done it without uh, your guys' love and support. Uh, as cliche as that may sound, but signing off for 2020. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Golden Balls podcast.